Yes. <laughs> well. Whoa. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, well, that's whoa, probably. Uh, 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 fix your. Something's wrong with your mic. You were. Yeah. Like your g- gain went up real high or something. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Just like all of a sudden you went to talk and like we heard you were really loud and then we heard like just static in the background. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> okay. That is very interesting. I'm thinking that's a discord thing of I haven't said anything for a while, so I'm going to pick up everything. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's ready to dip into the depths of chaos to get you started. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Yes, and all four of us are back together today. Yay! Hooray! (laughs) And our main topic is, if you hadn't guessed, we're continuing our series on getting started in 9th edition with 40k starter products. And this episode, we're going to be focusing on the armies of chaos, be they space marines or demons. Uh, But before all that, as always, news and new releases, and then your listener mail. And uh, there's been quite uh, a fair amount of news over the last week or so when we got well first off with the codex reveal they did a uh, another online streaming session regarding the two new codexes that are coming out soon i got the impression probably sometime in october yeah i think they explicitly said october they just didn't say beginning or end Mm -hmm. Uh, my guess is probably closer to the beginning but my our guess is that it may be something in there possibly necron related because there's been a lot of rules reveals that they haven't done yet for necrons Mm -hmm. we do know that they're getting an army-wide rules overhaul now how that may cover things like reanimation protocols we don't know yet and they even specifically said during the stream like somebody asked them like oh we don't want to give it away yet we've got more to reveal over the next couple of weeks please don't suck please don't suck please don't suck (laughs) i don't think they will i think my gut feeling is they're going to be overtuned on the other side i just wanted to go back to like it was in uh their was their seventh edition codex when reanimation protocols were just an inv- like an invuln save or a feel no pain save like yeah. that was the best easiest cleanest way to do it i don't know why they moved from that because <laughs> then anyway. you don't have to worry about well these models ran away so they don't yeah, count. It's, like it was so much easier yeah yeah anyway. i i feel like it's going to be it's it's almost going to be like an inverse morale for a unit is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. is where like you you roll dice and you see how many come back after like a fight happens. Yeah, I could I could see that like roll for each one lost. Yeah, that would be interesting because I know going back to kill team, if you do too much damage, they kind of just come back. So I'm wondering if it'll be kind of like what Richard said or akin to the kill team version. Yeah, But, like, if you did it at the end of the shooting phase and the fight phase and not the morale phase, that would also get around the issue of, well, what if they run away? Well, then you don't worry about it. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think it, I, I, yeah, I don't know that it'll be in the morale phase, but it'll kind of almost function like a morale similar to that. But it'll, like, happen, like, in the shoot. I'm thinking it'll happen in the shoot phase and, and, and the fight phase. Yeah, that would make total sense to me. But we, yeah. we don't know yet, but I, I like that idea. 
Um, let's see. They revealed the new dynastic code for the Zeracon uh, dynasty, which is the Silent King's dynasty. Well, I, I think before we uh, before we get into like the rules and the reveals, we have to take a moment and acknowledge the uh, announcement video and the fact that we have the world's best overlord. Yes, with his mug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, just the, the the both reveal videos are animated, and they're just they were just they have a little animated skits at the beginning, and they're both great. Like you should both watch them. They're up on the uh, the community site on the Warhammer TV YouTube, but they're they're both hilarious. But yeah, the world's yes. best overlord. <laughs> oh, and I figured Kevin would would uh, also want to point out that that there there seemed to be. I actually didn't see this, but I heard that there was a, a mention of of the holiest of cows. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> their back lord and their tanks float now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so great. Like I, again, we've hammered this point home a lot over the last four or five years, it seems. But like GW just seems to be having a lot more fun with what they're doing, and that's good for everybody. I, I like the idea of our game is grimdark. We totally aren't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, they're definitely they are definitely having more fun. But also, like it, they're not holding back on the grimdark and the lore, though. So they're yeah, exactly. I think they're and doing you know, a good I, I see people complaining about like, oh, this looks so cartoony. They're losing the grimdark. It's like, no, they're not. They're just making. They're making the brand accessible, but they're definitely not tanking the story in any way. Right. But anyway, yeah, so we get to, we know there's going to be a new dynasty, which uh, shrugs off mortal wounds on a five up. Which is nice. Uh, They can reroll wound rolls for each unit when shooting or fighting. And there's a new command protocol system that is going to be used, which uh, apparently keys off of characters with the noble keyword and it it strikes me as something similar to like sacred rites for sisters where it's like you pick it at the beginning of the battle Mm -hmm. or apparently apparently you pick it at the beginning of the start of the game okay then at the start of the game you can secretly assign one of the command protocols to utilize each battle round okay yeah so but then each round you have one of two directives within that protocol that you can activate so right yeah, and they showed they showed one example, and it's you know it's directive one is add three inches to the r- the range of aura abilities, or directive two is the units age el- uh, eligible to shoot in a turn where they fell back, um, and if they do, they subtract one from the attack roll. So basically, it makes them ultramarines. Yeah, so like I imagine there'll be a bunch of different protocols that you can choose from that'll give you those two different options. So it seems like it'll be interesting because it's it's going to be situational, but can be a situational boost. You know, depending on how the game's going or how your units are built. Um, and then, like I said, in the case here, if you take in the Saracan dynasty, um, you potentially get both. So that's that's huge. Yeah. And then uh, we get specification of a return to something that was in the old 5th edition codex, and that's Cryptex having types again, be having specific technological focuses. Hooray. I loved that. That was, that was awesome. so cool, and it, w- it was a shame that it, it went away when the codex got streamlined for 7th, and now it's 6th yeah. six, six and 7th, so now it's back. And, yeah, no, that, having chronomancers and plasmancers, th- things like that, that's really cool. And apparently you're going to be able to buy uh, spending points or power level to give them cryptic arcana. So, like, little, like, mini relic type things. 
Um, we're getting more crusade rules. So like, and that's something we've known for a while is like codexes will have codex specific uh, crusade things that you can requisition, which is cool. Um, we get a little peek at the stats of the Silent King. He's he's going to be a beast. Yeah, 16 wounds, 3 up save. And it looks like the only thing that degrades is his movement and his uh, number of attacks. Yeah. Which, nah, which is interesting now that they're showing they've got those charts kind of worked into the stat line rather than, here, reference this separate little inset chart. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice. Absolutely agreed. And then, yeah, and his men here. And then we get into some of the new units, like the Ophidian Destroyers. What happens if you take a destroyer and you strap it on top of a wraith tail? I like these models because they, they remind me a ton of the uh, the third edition uh, Snake Wraiths. Mm-hmm. And I think they just look super cool. Um, they can deep strike because they burrow up from from pocket dimensions rather than burrowing up from the ground. They've got whip coil bodies, so... Uh, you subtract one when you're trying to hit them in the fight phase. So, yeah, it really is like they you combined wraiths and destroyers. And again, I, I know we've mentioned this a bunch of times, or at least I have. I really like the fact that the Necrons are kind of going into the whole, like, body whore thing, where it's like, no, nah, these, are, these are robot bodies. They don't have to be humanoid. They can be snake-tailed. They can be multi-legged. They can, you know, there's a lot of creativity there, and I think that they're finally exploring that. So you're saying just like the Imperium was stealing from the Eldar, the Necrons are stealing from the Dark Eldar? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, we get plastic flayed ones, finally! Yay! Yes. And Super they look excited. creepy as hell. Yeah, the, these, they look great. Like, they look awesome. The fine cast ones were not very good, and the metal ones were super hard to find. And I don't think quite captured what the look of the unit was, but I think these absolutely hit on what they should be with these creepy, like long fingers and draped in cloth and skin and flesh. Like it's just awesome. Like you've got one that's got a head, like a face strapped to its shoulder. You've got another that's wearing a face kind of as a face. Yeah. (laughs) But then the one that gets me the most is the one that has just a loose hand hanging from its shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so yeah. and, And then part of a skull, like plastered to the front of its head. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, the getting into the body horror aspect of these. So anybody who tells you that the game's not grim dark, I point to these and tell you, no, they're totally grim, totally dark. Right. Um, yeah, I'm looking get, forward to that. I'm looking forward uh, to the ones. Yes. We get a peek at a couple of the cryptic models, the uh, Chronomancer. Which I believe someone someone referred to him on in one, I think on the... Uh, the uh, Twitch chat as the uh, intergalactic Rubik's Cube champion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I do, like, I love that where he's got these four cubes, three of them he's kind of got up on a rack on his shoulders, and then the fourth one's open and something's, like, some sphere of energy is emerging from it. It's a really neat way to model it. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) And then there's the Psychomancer, which the still picture they have here doesn't quite do it justice, but the rotating view they have in the the video, the release video, shows that that energy cube signature thing around its tails forms a skull if you turn it facing you. Yeah, that looks super neat. I, I don't know what the rules are going to be for it. I don't know how it's going to work, but holy smokes, that model is amazing looking. Yeah. So, yeah, again, having these different flavors of Cryptek is it's going to allow somebody to build an army 
that has the the things in it that they want it to do and has the look of it they can focus they can they can do that and i think that's that's something that's been kind of missing from the necrons because i mean we've talked about like even when we talked last episode about like starting a necron army necron armies are often going to be like well there's you got a whole bunch of warriors and it's like they run the risk of feeling samey especially when you get to the competitive level Mm -hmm. because like there was one necron build it seemed like you know at near the end of eighth edition so it's kind of nice seeing some new options being thrown in and we'll see how well they've balanced them and how well they all work together but it is very cool yeah lots of cool stuff then we get to the space marine codex call you can't just create you can't solve all of your problems by creating more primaris marines the hell i can't <laughs> I, that just such a perfect callback to the to the the previous stormfront uh stormcast video they did like it's so yeah. great <laughs> and yeah, so more primaris marines more primaris the the idea of being able to requisition a character into a dreadnought body during a crusade campaign that is legitimately awesome like that that's very cool yeah that's the whole point that's one of the things that like if you're actually going to do crusade that's that's something you have to include you know the ability to be like nope this venerated hero fell in battle and next game he shows up in a dreadnought body <laughs> And I'm assuming, like, when we do get a new Chaos Codex, we're going to get, uh, like, being able to up, up or upgrade into a Demon Prince. I would that hope same so. kind of thing. Yeah. So, Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, they confirmed that they rolled a lot of the stuff from Psychic Awakening into the Codexes. So the Chapter Command rules, where you could upgrade, like, a Chaplain to a Master of Sanctity or a Tech Marine to a Master of the Forge, you'll be able to do that straight out of the Codex. So that's a good confirmation that Psychic Awakening is codex upgrades, which will eventually be part of the new codexes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We get a new captain in Gravis armor with a heavy bolt rifle. What if I wanted a lieutenant instead? <laughs> As of right now, I don't think there is a lieutenant in heavy grav armor, which means nope. there probably will be at some point. <laughs> and then we get heavy intercessors. Which uh, I think have actually caused a little bit of controversy because everyone's gonna is convinced that this is what people are just gonna run now instead because they are they are confirmed to be a troop unit. Um, they are seven. We don't have point values on them yet, but they're seven power, which is probably gonna work out to close to 140 points for five because the 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 standard of roughly 20 points to a power level seems to hold relatively well. Mm-hmm. So we can spitball that out. Uh, but uh, the they're tough five because of the Gravis armor. They have three wounds because of their Gravis armor. They do only move five inches because of the Gravis armor, so they are a bit slower, which can be a problem in an addition that focuses more on mobility and grabbing objectives, although this could definitely tank an objective in your deployment, so no yes. problem. And then their bolt rifles are all strength five, so they're basically carrying... Little heavy bolters. They range anywhere from AP zero to AP minus two. And then the, what changes between them, because they've got three options. Well, actually they have six options because they can take a heavy bolter inside the unit. And there's three varieties of heavy bolter they can take. Yeah. So they can take the classic heavy bolter, which is AP minus one, two damage now, or they can take one that one that's only heavy two, but has an extra six inches of range and is th- AP minus two, three damage or a heavy bolter that is heavy four and no AP, two damage. 
So you can kit these guys out. And then that their regular bolt rifles have basically the same stat lines and range, just slightly less damage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can go a little, little bit crazy in kitting these guys out to do some nasty things. I mean, I think this is definitely going to be a unit you'll see. You'll definitely see units of this because, again, uh, holding objectives in your deployment zone and being able to spit out potentially 42-inch worth of, you know, 42, 36, or 30 inches of range um, is is very impressive. They're going to be very difficult to dig out. But I don't think you're going to see them, like, replace scouts or replace intercessors or assault intercessors just because I think they're going to be too expensive. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of those that when you put a unit of this on the table, you're basically taking away two units of something else or a special unit of something else. And I don't know that... I think you might make that choice once. I don't think you make it where, unless you're going for a theme, I don't think you make it where you've got four units of these guys. Nah, I just I mean, don't think it'll make sense. That's going to chew up your army points pretty fast. And you're not going to see them, I think, in much outside five-man squads anyway, because with Gravis yeah. armor, they count as two for being in transport. So if you wanted to try to move them up the board with an impulsor, congratulations, you can fit like five of them in there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's they're going to have trade-offs. It will just depend to see, or it will depend on how they rate compared to intercessors point-wise and utility-wise. It, it's good to have them. I will agree, though, that I wouldn't have been, I, I will agree that I wouldn't have minded if they'd been a heavy support choice rather than a troop choice. Yeah, but I will say this. I think if they were a heavy, if they were a heavy, um, a heavy unit, you know, a heavy assault choice, or a, yeah, a heavy weapon choice. I don't think you'd ever see them because I think with everything else that's in the heavy slot for Space Marines, because they mentioned there's something like a hundred, over a hundred data sheets in this codex. I, if you put them in with the heavy, and you're saying that hey, you can have this infantry unit with bolters or any of the, and we'll get to it later, but any of the the land speeders with last talons or land raiders or the the impulsor predator thing like the choice is either this or guys with bolters you're going to take the heavy stuff every time like you would you would literally never see this squad be used yeah true so i i mean maybe there's an argument to be made that maybe they should have been elites or something but even then like you're are you going to take them over terminators no because Terminators have better armor saves and more utility. Like they can move around, they can do other things. So it's like I, I like them as a as another troop option, but I don't think you're going to see. Pe- I mean, I, you might see people double down on it, but I don't think you're going to see people going. All right, I'm going to run four men squad units of this as the starting of every list I build. I think you're still going to see scouts. I think you're still going to see assault intercessors. You're still going to see good old tack marines with the the profile changes. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think you're right. I think there would be too much competition in that slot to yeah. to not take these. But yeah, I don't think you're going to see armies of them. Although, you know, somebody might try to and just see how it yeah. works. I I, it, I imagine it, we'll see some experimentation. There were there were people who you know people who still run Deathwing armies of all Dark Angel Terminators or stuff like that. Like you'll see armies of just these guys, but. You know, that's the trade-off. Like, if you're, if you're building a Deathwing army for Dark Angels, you're taking 20 models. And 
or, you know, custodes where it's like, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm taking a very, very small army with very few numbers. And if I start losing models, uh, the game starts going away from me very, very fast. So some people do it. I don't think competitively you'll see many of those lists, but I think you will see a role for this, this unit. I, I think we kind of talk, talked about them in chat as like discount custodes. Yeah. Because they are, they're going to be tough, but custodes are going to have still a better stat line. And in a straight up one on one fight between custodes and heavy intercessors, I think custodes will come out on top. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and they are still only three up armor. Like they have extra toughness and extra wounds, but it is still only three up armor, no invuln save. So, and we're seeing damage on a lot of things going up across the board. So, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think the arms race would kind of even out. Uh, we do get a multi-part eradicator box. Uh, actually, before we move on, there is okay. one thing that I will point out as foreshadowing for an upcoming thing to talk about. Uh-huh. They listed the entire data sheet for the heavy intercessors. The keywords are infantry, core, primaris, intercessors, mark X gravis, heavy intercessor squad. We'll come back to the core thing later. Yeah, that's just wanted be to seed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also get a uh, a multi-part Eradicators box. We first saw the Eradicators in Indomitus, and now they have an option to take a multi-melta in the unit in addition to their melter rifles. You will see uh, these guys a lot. You oh, will yeah. see these guys on the table. <laughs> and what I think is interesting is we're starting to see Primaris with mixed weapons, but still like thematically consistent. So yeah, like, yeah, like heavy intercessors that can take a heavy bolter or a unit of eradicators that can take a multi-melta. It's not a, it's not the free form mixed weapons that you see in like a firstborn tactical squad, but it is kind of nice to see that flexibility starting to get worked into Primaris units. Well, I, so it's interesting because like like Hellblasters and like intercessors as well, like where they've got the option to take different types of the same gun. Even with the heavy intercessors, you can only switch out from the heavy bolt rifle if you replace all the guns and don't take a heavy bolter. Like, mm-hmm. you can only get the uh, executioner bolt rifle or the hailstorm bolt rifle if you forego taking any heavy weapon in the squad and switch everybody. So mm-hmm. it is still kind of an all or none uh, Legion 30k tactics style, but you do, you now have multiple options where it's like you can give the entire executioner squad multi meltas or you can give them the you know the melt gun that we saw in the dominus or i assume the assault version i don't think yeah it definitely won't be as free form of like oh yeah i can take one multi melt in the squad i think it's going to be all or not no eradic they straight out said you'll be able to give one eradicator in the set oh, multi okay maybe i missed that <laughs> yeah okay. no well and right, with we'll the, the heavy intercessor squad <laughs> for every five models in the unit what like you all have to take the same class of rifle you can re- take all Hellstorm bolt rifles or all Executor bolt rifles instead of the heavy bolt rifles. But then one guy for every five models can swap out their rifle for yeah. the matching heavy bolter. Yeah. Okay. So again, yeah, it's it's slightly mixed, but it's not like I can have a guy with a flamer and a plasma cannon in this squad. It, you know, it's it's still thematically consistent. Yeah. Um, let's see, we get a multi-part box of Bladeguard veterans. Okay, cool. We get a multi-part assault intercessor squad, which uh, you can take a sergeant with a thunder hammer and a hand flamer. I like that. And there's also a couple of really cool looking models in here. Like there's one that's got dude who has like a bandolier of grenades. He's in like mid throw. And then mm-hmm. there's one dude who's like actually, and I don't know how this model is going to actually work, but he is in like mid ammo change, like 
And the, the clip, clip is falling from the gun. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure how that's going to get modeled, like how they're doing that, but... Uh, I think that, that the, cool. the falling clip is attached to his pinky. Probably. Yeah, probably. But it's still a really... It, it's one of the more dynamic poses that they've you know action poses that they've done without it being like this big flourish swing or something it's well and the one thing that 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 they also said and kind of confirmed on the on the twitch channel when they were talking about things these are fully posable multi-part models so you could take you could even if you don't want to do the assault intercessors you could potentially take Dean's a buy a box of this take the bodies and make hell blasters or regular intercessors or you know and 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 be able to use like have a more dynamic running like us you know hellblaster or you know things like that like it's it's just really cool that those models do like all just like our regular you know like the firstborn regular attack marine models like you can mix and match with the assault squads and the uh, vanguard veterans and the regular attack marines and kind of make really cool looking models they they've now finally got to the point where you've got the more dynamic body poses for primaris and the weapon options, and you can do some really cool conversions, I think, with those. Oh, agreed. Agreed. And then finally, uh, we get to the last new model set, and we officially are getting a Primaris land speeder, referred to as the Storm Speeder. Storm, uh, storm. Storm, storm. storm. <laughs> so there's a, a variant called the Hail Strike, which has two Iron Hail Stubbers, uh, Onslaught Gatling Cannon, and a pair of grenade launchers. And uh, brother tinnitus there, right between the two uh, stubbers. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, if we if we called out the uh, the dark was it the dark angels? Yeah, whatever their the land speeder booth. is the for, for the DJ booth, we're having to put Haffy in the front because he didn't have room for legs. I'm gonna make fun of this guy, like them basically sacrificing one of their brothers to tinnitus, because um, <laughs> that's a it's a really dumb place to put a gunner. Like, uh, it's just really right dumb. the ammo feeds. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. Sorry. Like, it's it's dumb. <laughs> and he's there for all of them. And it's like, honestly, the, the this one, the, the hail strike with the, the stubbers, is the guy I feel the least bad for. Because <laughs> the moment on the hammer strike, the moment they let loose those missiles, that dude's... Not only is he getting tinnitus, he's also he's getting, like, exhaust in the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the next one is the anti-armor variant, the Storm Speeder Hammer Strike, which includes uh, a Hammer Strike missile launcher, a Crack Storm grenade launcher mounted on the side, and a, a Melta Destroyer, which is a three-barreled Melta gun strapped to the front. Yeah. And it will have the Ravenwing keyword if it's from Dark Angels. That is actually on the data sheet. Nice. Uh, and then finally, a, a third variant, the Thunder Strike, which has... Uh, Icarus rocket pods, a Laz, looks like a Laz Talon on the front, and actually no grenade launchers, just like targeting systems. Yeah. So that one's uh, kind of an anti-aircraft slash anti-tank storm or land speeder. So yeah, basically the entire line is getting Primaris-fied. So. Yeah, and it needed to happen, like to fill out and flesh out all of the, the, the points and all the, all the choices now, but like now you've got all of your HQs, you've got multiple troop options. You've got, um, you know, bikes, ATVs, um, you know, land speeders now heavy, you know, you got your heavy tanks with the stuff that's been revealed before. You've got a variety of transports. 
The only thing they don't have is a flyer, and honestly, who cares? Agreed. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, at this point, the Primaris range is like this will com- really complete the Primaris range. You will have all yeah. the pieces you need to do a fully Primaris army with pretty much the same number of options that a, a firstborn army would have. Yeah. And then finally, a reveal of the next codexes coming down the pipeline. We get uh, Blood Angels with a codex supplement. Uh, we get uh, Death Guard, who are getting a standalone codex, along with what looks like some new fortifications and uh, yeah. a couple new characters. Getting uh, a Space Wolf uh, codex supplement, which I didn't notice anything particularly new in the model Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it, and I'll pick it up, but the timing of it doesn't sound, seem like it's in position for a big new reveal at all. No. So yeah. I have a feeling it's just going to be, okay, here's your new codex, there's some upgraded things for Ninth edition, have fun. Well, and it makes sense. It makes sense that they're putting these three codex supplements out, and we'll talk about the other one here, because they're the ones that had, like, the most characters and stuff that wasn't available that wouldn't be available in just the straight up codex true and so yeah space or so we have space wolves and the final one is death watch which i'm really excited for that because i've felt like they've needed an upgrade for a long time i just don't know if the codex will give them the upgrade they need but we'll see we'll see and they said uh dark angels fans uh there will be theirs will be coming in 2021 along with the first xenos codex Mm-hmm. Of 2021. So not the first Xenos Codex, because that'd be Necrons, obviously, but 20, they'll be coming alongside the first 2021 Xenos Codex. Yeah. Right, which that this part concerns me, because if we've got Space Marines and Necrons in October, we've got, and they said all these Codex, these six will come out this year. So mm-hmm. we're pretty much getting two Codexes a month for the rest of the year. Yeah, that sounds sounds about yeah. right. I know. I mean, it's thrilling for the people who only play a few factions, but for people who have lots of factions or TOs that want to get all the codexes, it's going to start getting rough again like it did when they like rushed all the codexes for 8th edition out. Well, the yeah. good thing with the code with the the codexes at least for like the TOs and stuff, assuming that they continue to upgrade the app and continue to make, you know, make progress on it, you can buy the you, you you can basically subscribe to the app and then get the rules that way and and not be in as bad a place. But yeah, it's still it's Once still it's there. Yeah, that's nah, a lot of it. Now that's that's requires them to do some additional changes and then you know you have to subscribe to it and make sure you're getting all the updates. But it won't. I don't think it'll be quite as bad as it was when they were releasing rapid fire codexes like every you know two a month uh, back at the beginning of eighth, but. Yeah, it, it could or yeah eighth. It'll but it could it's still, still be going bad, two yeah. month two a month for ninth. It feels like now. Yeah, uh, very possibly. But at the same time, that helps prevent the problem we've had in the past of this army is still playing with a codex that's no, two editions old. So totally I'd, I'd rather have statement. yeah, especially with all the new stuff that's being put in, like weapons updates, which we'll be talking about in a second, crusade content, possibly match play actions that you can take. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they need to get those codexes out and updated ASAP. No, I agree with that. I'm just crying for a pocketbook. Yeah, no, I, yeah. believe me, I feel your pain. Um, and then finally, finally, we get the Forge World update. We are getting a new Imperial Armor Compendium. 
Yeah. Basically, anything that is still made by Forge World or possibly has been made by Forge World, we don't know to what extent, but will have its new data sheets in this book, along with uh, Death Corps of Creed getting a new regimental doctrine. Nice. No, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I do think this is a good idea. I'm pleased to see it, both for the Forge World finally getting a book and an update, but also Death Corps of Creed. I didn't see any mention of, like, what the blood scorpions or the red score the other yeah the red Forge scorpions World space marine yeah mm-hmm. are they getting tweaked in an update in this too uh, it's very possible i would assume so so then that's kind of cool like here's all your forge world stuff right here yeah, yeah. also orc war boss on bike will have rules in this oh because forge gosh. world did make one hooray <laughs> So there will be some data sheets that maybe they don't make. So maybe that's the confirmation. They don't make the models for it anymore, but they did. So they're going to continue to put out the rules for it. So that that's awesome. I, I, and I'm glad that this is being done also by the rule team. That's been working on ninth edition rather than a separate forge world team. That's kind of off doing its own thing. Yeah. Especially since forge world has kind of been folded in gameplay wise into everyone's using forge world. Yeah, it's it's no longer a separate element of the game. It's just, it's appended. Yeah. All right, so that was all the stuff that they revealed in the Codex reveal. And then we had a post a couple of days later about uh, war, weapons and war gear updates for Space Marines. And these will also affect any race that uses the same gear, even Xenos races. That was specified. Yeah. So, like, if you have a weapon named a Flamer your flamers will use the new flamer rules. If you have a power sword, your power swords use the new power sword rules. Which I am excited about that part. Yes. So flamers, we already knew about this uh, 12-inch range, which, which is, nice. is fantastic for the Tau because you can now deep strike a triple flamer crisis suit and flame somebody. You won't just be stuck out there in the wind doing nothing. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about that in a way because the custodes from Forge World that have the 12-inch flamers are now standard they're, they're not special anymore they're not special anymore Aww. but yeah that's the same tactic i use of drop them in light things up this will also apply to combi flamers so if a flamer is part of your weapon profile you get the updated version so uh terminators or stern guard vets who have in a drop pod who use combi flamers will have the ability to fire their you know combi flamers as 12 inch flamers so it's good it's consistent that yeah that's really good to see and even hand flamers are going to have 12-inch fl- range, which I love. Yeah. Well, th- this means that i got to build some seraphim now. <laughs> yeah, seraphim. <laughs> well, and that's which makes me wonder how some of the how, if they might have to rework some stratagems, because one of the stratagems they had was when your seraphim drop in, you spend some command points, and your hand flamers get double range, which gets them up to a 12-inch, so they could flame people when they deep strike. I mean, the, they can always do that. The ability to spin that and be able to hit, to flame at 24 inches is, is, is also nice. really good. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> I, I think that'll get eroded. <laughs> and thinking about this, I think one of the reasons why the flamer change is probably not for the deep strike, even though that's a nice feature. I think this is more to for assault. Because if you yeah, had a six-inch flamer, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that was always the, like, if I assault you from nine inches away and you have an eight-inch flamer, too bad. <laughs> Second nerd. Yep. Uh, this also because hand flamers are affected. Gene Steeler cult acolytes can take twelve hand flamers, yes. and I have I have taken some damage from just the six inch versions <laughs> from those guys popping up out of nowhere, thanks to cult ambush. With twelve inches, nothing is safe. 
12 <laughs> um, inch heavy flamers, also great. Uh, and that includes hull mounted versions like on the uh, Blood Angels Ball Predator or a Chimera. Um, Melta weapons are all getting the upgrade of instead of rolling twice to see how much damage you do and taking the highest within if you're within half range, it's now D6 plus two. So you just consistently do more damage. Yeah. If you're Which closer. I do like that. Yes. Well, it's one of those things where it, it it streamlines the game as well because you're not doing extraneous dice rolls to like, you know, and, and yeah, it's not a huge amount of time saved, but it speeds the game up. It eliminates some of that extra sti- dice roll that doesn't need to be- happen. And yeah, it just makes them more consistent. So I like yeah. it. I'm still sad that the fire dragons will still be just dead after they fire once. Well... That's, well, and that's, that's what, that's what their job is, is though. <laughs> we, we know combi meltas, melta guns, and inferno pistols are updated. We don't know if like tau fusion blasters will be because that's not a technically a melta weapon, even though it's functionally identical to a melta weapon. So, uh, and I imagine the fusion guns that fire dragons use won't be affected by this until they get a codex update. They're, yeah. they're actually melta guns. Oh, are they listed as melta they're guns? Melta. Okay, so then yeah, yeah. So okay, fair enough. Except for maybe the the Exarchs. Yeah, like the fire pikes and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, fusion pistols on like Harlequins might not be affected. No, I doubt it. Um heavy bolters, we knew this. They're getting uh, upgraded for one additional damage, which uh retributors are loving all the updates for to heavy flamers, <laughs> multi meltas and heavy bolters. Uh but also like all your vehicle mounted uh heavy bolters are just that much better. Hunter killer missiles are now strength 10 and d6 damage so theoretically they could kill something on one shot which is good because you only get one shot with them anyway so yeah but i mean that you've got a better chance to wound with them than you did before they should wound pretty much everything on a three at worst yeah now anytime something is a uh is like a one shot weapon like it needs to be good for it to like be worth it mm-hmm. and i think this makes this makes hunter killer missiles now something that you might actually take yeah oh and rob i made a mistake they're they're fire dragons are fusion guns but melt that's why bombs yeah so bombs I, I, are better maybe we'll see but uh yeah that's why it's like they were fusion guns and so yeah. they weren't the same name same rule so. but yeah yeah um astartes chain swords are now ap minus one which differs from human-sized chainswords. So, sisters with chainswords will not be affected, but corn berserkers will. <laughs> Which then makes me wonder, where do chain axes fit into everything? Yeah, they they don't mention that in here, but I imagine that the chain axes... Well, because the chain axes give you a plus one strength. Okay, um, so that's And the, the chainsword gives you, would give you plus one attack, and you were trading off. Yeah, uh, because the the chain chain axe was plus one strength, AP minus one, and then the chain sword was strength, AP zero, one additional attack. So they're still good to have like the difference between them. I would imagine that maybe the chain axes might go to AP two, or maybe like plus two strength, just to give a little more differentiation between them and the chain swords. But you, they're still both going to have their place. Yeah, so that. But yeah, you know, this this is going to make Marines that much scarier in close combat, which is something they've ne- which is something they've needed for a while. Mm-hmm. Power swords, power axes, and power mauls are all going up one strength. 
So power axes are now plus two strength, uh, power mauls are plus three, and power swords are plus one strength, which makes Howling Banshees happy. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes, and yeah, I'm thrilled because I like using Howling Banshees a lot, so I I definitely want to get them on the table and see how this plays out. Well, now they're they're wounding... Yeah, they're winning most Marines on fours. But I remember when this first came up, you were like, ah, but now they're having heavy intercessors and they're tough five, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, which still could happen. <laughs> which still yeah, could happen. I think the bulk of things you're going to be running into are, are going to be tough four, though. So this is still this is still a huge help against most things. Yeah, it's an overall plus. Yeah, oh, and running into tough three armies now puts you on a distinct advantage <laughs> instead of on even footing. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then finally, storm shields are getting into an interesting change. Storm shields now will, instead of offering the old three up and vulnerable save, it's now only a four up and vulnerable save, but plus one to your armor save rolls. Not your armor save value, so we don't get anybody with a one up save on their data sheet, but you'll get plus one on the roll, which just means it'll counter one point's worth of AP effectively. I don't yeah. know how I feel about this one. Because the, ma- I mean, I use some storm shields on on the Thunderwolf Cavalry, but the main mm-hmm. place I use them is on Custodes, who... <laughs> they list Custodes as winners on this change, and I don't know if that's true. Well, well I mean, because, because now Custodes that have, that have the, the storm shields effectively are impervious to small arms fire. Pretty much. Because unless, because unless you're hitting them with something that has AP, you know, AP2 you only fail on a one. So if you're hitting them with AP zero or AP one bolters, you're only failing on if you roll a nat one. So uh, that's, that's huge for them. Like, and yeah, they're, if they get hit with a last, you know, a last cannon, sure. It's going to be slightly, slightly less helpful for them, but like against small arms fire, now they're basically impervious. Fair. But on the flip side of that, cause I do agree with you, Kevin, it, it makes them, more survivable against small arms fire, but at the same time, people are using small arms fire normally firing with a large group, and weight sure. of numbers means I'm still going to roll that one. Sure, but like, it, but it means that you're only failing, you're only failing on the one now, as opposed to like getting hit with like say, uh, you know, intercessor failing on a three. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're, it's still you still have that same problem because it's still a dice game, and weight yeah. of numbers is still is still good, but. It's it's going to be it's going to make them a lot tougher against things that are meant and and which is ultimately what it should happen. The stones yeah. are not going to die to cultists with uh, auto pistols. Usually, like unless, it's going to take roll bad. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of them though. But like and in the fluff and in the game, like custodes will like walk one custode will walk through a band of cultists. You know, like that's how it should be. So I'm this. I like the change. I think it does help. I think it doesn't fix some of the issues, but I think that's inherent to the game. Like, I think weight of numbers is just always going to be better, so. And I do like them trying to kind of cap out invulnerable saves at, at four up as much as possible. Yes. Because, uh, let's face it, three up invulnerable, it, it rendered a lot of weapons pointless. Because, like, once you got to, like, an AP minus two weapon, it didn't matter. Because <laughs> it... It so I I like toning down the invulnerable save and I if I remember right, Ages of the Emperor caps out at four up doesn't it? 
yes. for the like if you run an entire custodes detachment. Correct. Yes. yes. Yeah. So okay, so you're not going to get a better save unless they change that rule, but yeah, you'll still get the armor save benefit. But it, that does also mean that you have a little bit more flexibility in how you build your custodes because you mm-hmm. don't have to take the like the storm shield is slightly more resilient, but your guys with guardian spears are still going to be uh, as about as good at shrugging off heavy weapons. It's just a change in mentality. You take the storm shields in the past to shrug off the heavy, and everyone else shrugged off light. And now the storm shields are the same as everyone but for shrugging off heavy, but they're better at shrugging off light. So, yeah, um, that's kind of a rundown of how weapons are changing. Again, this is uh, affecting things across the board as long as the weapons are on this this list and once the new space marine codex comes out i imagine we'll get errata documents for all the codexes affected so we'll get to see what Mm. is and isn't changed and then finally we're going to call go back to that callback that kevin mentioned on the heavy intercessors pay attention to that core keyword this is a huge change yes setups yeah you got to work your core man uh but what's interesting about this is it is not do not mistake core for troops because there are non-troop units that will have the core keyword and they specially mention like bike squads would have it terminators would have it but on the necron side lich guard have it tomb blades have it uh, some vehicles may have the core word and the core keyword by itself does nothing it is not a keyword like fly it doesn't have any anything that interacts directly with the rules of the of the game as as far as like the rules the rule book goes but it will interact with how units and aura abilities work so like one of the examples they give is that a space marine captain has the rights of battle ability which allows you to reroll hit rolls of one for units from the same you know friendly unit from the same chapter well, now it's a friendly core unit from the same chapter. And the reason they did that is, like, you don't... A captain should not be babysitting a unit of repulsor executioners to let them reroll once. Mm-hmm. He should be there because what he's doing is inspiring troops. He's inspiring infantry to go out and do things. He shouldn't be babysitting tanks. So he will no longer affect tanks because the tanks won't have the core keyword. Yep. Also, characters don't have the core keyword, so they will no longer benefit from their own auras. But again, this is not an across-the-board ability. This is an ability that is codex and unit-specific, which is why it's not a change to the core rules of the game. But it's a change in design mentality, design yeah. philosophy. Yeah, it's definitely a change in, in design philosophy. <laughs> uh, they mentioned lieutenants don't make... Uh, won't make captains better at wounding. A captain, why should a lieutenant be giving a captain any advice that he doesn't already know? Because he's been a lieutenant before. So, like that, that's it. It's a quick rundown of, of these changes, but man, this is fundamentally going to change army building. Yeah, it will. The only concern I have is with demons because their auras were super useful, and I think I'm hoping the demon prince will keep them. But I could see if they lose it too. I would not be surprised if Demon Princes no longer buff themselves. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, that's it's hard to say how how different codexes will ap- apply this 
mentality, this this change in design. But I could definitely see Demon Princes no longer buffing themselves, but buffing, like, for example, Demon Prince of Slanesh buffing core Slanesh units, which could be Demonettes and Seekers, but maybe not Soul Grinders or Fiends. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, like, or Heralds giving themselves, not giving themselves plus one strength, but giving everything else around them plus one strength. So yeah, it's it, it. We have to kind of take a wait and see on this, and it, we're going to see it rolled out codex by codex rather than across mm-hmm. the board errata. I mean, it's this is ultimately similar to like the battle line role in Age of Sigmar. So it's not a completely out of the blue design philosophy, um, and hopefully it'll encourage people to take more core troops and core units than you know rather than just trying to load up on as many characters as you can to kind of play hero hammer and stuff like that. So I, I see it as them trying to push list building and gate and gameplay in a certain direction. And I don't think it's bad. I th- it's just, it's definitely going to be an interesting change, right? They're trying to push, push it into a, a more active dynamic model where your, your characters are, are running up and leading from the front rather than camping mm-hmm. in the back. I mean, it changes how I would build sisters armies because I would usually have a, a detachment with, like a spearhead detachment with a canonist and three exorcists, and her job is to sit there and let the exorcists reroll ones to hit. Yep. Sounds like that's not going to be a thing I'm going to do anymore, so that changes up how I'm going to build it and means I'm more likely to throw in the exorcists just into the main detachment I'm running. Yeah. So, uh, which, again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not put off by this change. Uh, but I want to see more about how it actually plays out in individual codexes before we determine, like, what is the o- the overall effect. But it's definitely going to tone down things like Smash Captains. Yes. Between that and the Storm Shield change, Smash Captains are way... A- and the targeting changes from the core rules, where if he's out out on his own, it's, a, you know, he he's not protected from anybody... It's going to make characters have to run with units without being yeah. embedded in them the way they were in old editions of the game. So I think it's better. Yeah. So what it what it cuts out that's that I've seen happen in games here because there's a lot of Blood Angels players and a lot of really good Blood Angels players in, in this area. I've seen a lot where like you have a Smash Captain running next to uh, Mephiston, next to a Librarian Dread. And next to something else, and you're just overlaying, you know, layering all of these rules so that the Smash Captain gets to reroll wounds, and he gets to reroll, uh, you know, hits of one, and he gets this extra strength buff, buff, and all that stuff. And now, like, you can't do that. You have to take a unit and buff the unit up, and have support for the unit. That's honestly, that's a much, it's a much funner game to play. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, they're they're trying to, it's trying to find a way to make the game play the way that they picture the game. And I think they're learning that you have to tighten up the rules a bit to do that. Like, if you yes. let everything be freeform, people are just going to take the most powerful options and throw them all together. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put in some rules level, you know, some rules restrictions to shape the game into what you want it to be. And people will play within those restrictions. I mean, people enjoy the game, so they'll figure out ways to work within those limits rather than just up and quit because now I can't do all the powerful things I did before. 
Yeah, and and Age of Sigmar went through the same thing as well. Like when they changed, like I said, they've they've done a lot of these similar restrictions and changes, and for the most part, everybody that plays Sigmar loves it, and they're like, oh no, it's a really good, really well balanced game. So if they can get forty k to the same place where people are saying that, oh yeah, it's a fun and balanced game. And these restrictions, like, people might balk against them initially, but if it leads to a better meta, a more balanced game, and more fun matches, I'm, I'm good with the changes. Agreed. Agreed. So that's all the all the news and new releases so far. No, nothing really has been released for 40k, but we're basically waiting at this point for the, uh, the new codexes to drop probably in a couple of weeks, so... We'll see if by the time we record our next episode, if we can have, we might have Codex in hand. Don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but we're going to go ahead and transition over to listener mail. As always, these letters are written by you, the listeners, and uh, we'll tell you how you can get your letter read on the air at the end of the segment. First letter is from Riley Kataria. Riley writes, Hi, preferred enemies. I was recently looking into Loyalist Space Marine armies, and I found the ill-fated Legion of the Damned. I haven't found any rules for them, but in the fluff, they were a successor chapter of the Ultramarines before they took a trip to the warp. I was wondering if I could run a Legion of the Damned as a successor chapter of the Ultramarines on the table. What are your thoughts, and are there any good ways to run Legion of the Damned? Uh, Legion of the Damned are interesting because they never got a rules update (laughs) in 8th edition. They just kind of ceased to exist. I don't, I don't, I don't know what what army they're talking about. I've never heard of them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's like the one, the one like Space Marine chapter thing that just kind of got dropped, and maybe it'll come back in the new codex. But I don't know with everything going in, I kind of doubt it. Mm-hmm. Could you run them as a as an Ultimate chapter? Honestly, you can run them as as any mm-hmm. successor chapter you want. So the tricky part is going to be figuring out what successor chapter traits are going to uh, mimic the feel of them. Because their their old mm-hmm. thing was they had really good invulnerable saves and they deep struck in. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything that's quite going to capture that feel. Yeah. And one of the other big things was that oh, they had like they had a lot of like heavy flamers and things like that. Like they were big on flame weapons and and stuff as well. Like I think obviously depending how they uh how the 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 supplements and what's in the new codex and how all that works, you could potentially run them like using salamander's rules or potentially like uh death watch rules even to get them like some extra to to kind of mimic some of the extra weaponry and things that they had. And then we don't know exactly what the codex build your own chapter uh, rules are going to be in the new one, but assuming, you know, based off of what they were in the last codex, there may be options that you could use there. Yeah. Like, I could see um, Fearsome Aspect and maybe Indomitable, where uh, you subtract one from the leadership characteristic of enemy units when they're within three inches of that of any units from your army, and indomitable uh, when a morale test is taken for a unit with this tactic, no more than one model will flee. So I mean, like yeah. I could see that being mm-hmm. Legion of the Damned, where like they're just scary and they don't break. Yeah, but you're not going to get quite the right feel of you know that, like I said, the invulnerable save where they're basically warp ghosts. Yeah, and I don't know that there's any really great way to replicate that at this point. Like, I just don't... 
I don't think that's – I think that's part of the reason why they're not in the game anymore is I think that was the thing. They they wanted to try to get rid of an army that has – you know, a space marine army that has invulnerable saves. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I would actually wait a, a little bit until the new codex comes out before we could give a straight answer. Because, yeah, because, like, I could tell you something right now, and it turns out, oh, yeah, the, the successor chapter tactics are completely different in the new yeah. chapter – or in the new codex. So – uh, but yeah, I would definitely look at kitting them out with, uh, yeah, flame weapons or different plus. Uh, one good thing now is one of the problems with Legion of the Dam in the past is you were really limited to infantry because that's all like yeah. that was all they could take. Now you could do an entire army in Legion of the Damned colors and then just make your own chapter to play it and just call it the Legion of the Damned. So have fun with it. But I, I don't know if there's there's nothing now that would recreate the feel of them. And I kind of get the impression that they were meant to have finished up their job in the the fall of Cadia because they did show up at that point during that battle. And it may have been the disruption in the warp or maybe their duty is done that Ooh. they're gone now. But so off screen, the Tyranids ate all of them. <laughs> they, no. they ate all the warp ghosts. Yes. No. It makes it makes sense if you don't think about it. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking Arby's, but no. Um, I'm I'm gonna. Uh, that's gonna get a no from me, dog. So, um, yeah. So well, that's like your opinion, man. They ran into the Tyranids, and then their shadow of the warp just kind of canceled them out. Uh, they just went, <laughs> just puffed out. So yep. there you go. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I would I, honestly, I think, I think Kevin, your your suggestion, just running them as a as a salamander successor chapter, and just keeping the fire and skull motifs on them, would be good enough. Yeah, because I think that's probably about all you're really going to be able to get at this point, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. But yeah, but. unfortunate. But but then, you, like I said, you can just do a whole army. You could even do a whole do a Primaris Legion of the Damned. Because why not? All right, next letter is from Red Rabbit. Red writes, Hello, y'all. I've always wanted to delve into a gene, into the Gene Stealer cult, as I find their lore absolutely awesome, and I love every one of their models. But I don't want to start a new army. I already have Astra Militarum, a small force of Admech, and a small force of Death Guard. But now that you can play with 500 points, it's easier than ever to dip your toe into a new faction, sub-faction, etc. So after two years of fighting the Urge, I finally ordered a Neophyte hybrid box. Problem is, I've never played a Gene Stealer Cult army or against one, and therefore I have no idea how to build it. Should I bother with the heavy weapons? Should I go auto guns, shotguns, or both? I know I want to build a small 500 point force with a Magus as the Warlord, but where do I go from there? As always, you guys are awesome. Stay safe. Keep doing what y'all do, Red Rabbit. Oh, thanks, Red. Uh, and fortunately, Richard was to the rescue. On this yes, one. Um, I, I started looking through and. Uh, Kind of, you you want to uh, have a have a magus for your for your warlord, and that's a, a great flexible psyker choice. So I put that into the, the HQ slot along with something that you can get out of the get started collecting box uh, for Gene Stealer cults. So if you pick up one of those. Uh, that will get you... It's the uh, Icon Ward. Yeah, the Icon Ward. It, it also gets you a another unit of the the Neophytes and a unit 
of hybrids and uh, an Achilles Ridge Runner. Now, the list that I made didn't include the Achilles Ridge Runner, but there, there, that would just be another direction that you would go. You, you already have Astra Militarum, and I kind of feel like if you're going to play around with Gene Sealer cults, why not try something, you know, a little different? Because Gene Sealer cults, you can build them to where they just kind of stand and shoot like an Astro Militarum army, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like Gene Stealer cults are, are, are better played aggressively, like moving towards your opponent, trying to get objectives, get in their face. Some of them are, are actually quite capable at close combat. So the, the list that I've put together at 500 points, you know, isn't a, a ton to work with. Um, but is Amagus with the Crouchling so that you get an extra psychic power while, while the, the, the familiar is there. Uh, the Icon Ward, uh, a unit of five hybrids, two units of ten hybrids, one with shotguns, one with auto guns. Uh, the unit with the shotguns also has a flamer. You want to push that one forward, try and get them into your opponent's face. And then also a unit of aberrants for, for something that's that's really a lot more sturdy and and like heavy hitting. Yeah, and they will definitely do damage to something. Yes. Yeah, and they're gonna be a huge target at a five hundred point game because they're gonna they're gonna draw attention. <laughs> yeah. And for the most part, everything there is stock. Uh, a- another kind of direction you could go is is picking up a, a like a unit of uh, the Adelan Jackals and one of the, the uh, Alpha Jackal, the, the, one of the Alphas, the Jackal Alphas, uh, and and run those along with the. Uh, I didn't point that out, so I'm not sure how well that works. But with the Achilles Ridge Runner and, and get a a more fast moving uh, army. Uh, but I, at 500 points, I, I like the idea of kind of just getting like more bodies and having you know more of the hybrids, the the more of the neophytes on the table. And then if you move into a larger game, you're like, well, I don't necessarily want to buy more Gene Sealer cults. Well, the great thing is you play Astro Militarum. You can run a unit of them as Brood Brothers. Exactly. Just, and now you've got a thousand point army that you just like smack 500 points of guard in there and yep. you're good to go. And then you have your shooting access, your, your access to your shooting power. And then, yeah, you've got these Gribblies running forward and getting in your face or popping up out of the shadows and getting in your face. Right. Now that, that seems like a really good way to use 500 points and and get a feel of a little bit of everything. Yep. And then this brings us to our last letter which is also a gene stealer called out uh letter. It's a gene stealer cult day on uh, preferred enemies. And this is from Evan Colon. Evan writes, "Dear preferred enemies, hi guys, long-time listener Evan from Central New York here, looking for advice on ways to inc- improve his Gene Stealer Cults in Ninth Edition, and also to ask a few tricky rules questions. I got into Gene Stealer Cults to diversify from my long-standing Tau army, but also because I like having the ability to surround my enemies with almost any model in my cult. The models I can field are as follows: one Patriarch, one Primus, one Magus with two Familiars." One Abominant, one Jackal Alphas, two Acolyte Icon Wards, three 10-man units of Acolyte Hybrids, more on them later, 
uh, three units of neophyte hybrids, 38 models total, 12 with shotguns, mixture of special weapons, two units of brood brothers, 27 models total, two leaders, three grenade launchers, two flamers, one five-man unit of hybrid metamorphs, all with metamorph claw and hand flamers, two seven-man units of aberrants, one unit is all armed with heavy power hammers, the other is armed with picks and a road sign. Uh, 18 pure strain gene stealers, no pure strain talons. One Clamavus, two Sanctus, one with a sniper rifle, the other can switch. One Nexus, one Biophagus with familiar, two Achilles Ridge Runners, both armed with heavy mortar and survey auger. Two Cult Lehman Rust tanks, one can switch its secondary guns and change its primary gun from bolt battle cannon to vanquisher battle cannon. The other is armed with an exterminator auto cannon and three heavy bolters. One heavy weapon squad armed with las cannons and one Goliath ridge or one Goliath rocket grinder, which can switch between weapon options. In my games in eighth edition, I found that the cult can outright kill anything it can get into assault with, but I has a hard time actually getting there. My main opponent of late plays guard and loves his scions. That means I have to be very careful about how I approach his foes. Otherwise, my tough three save five up majority army is going to get cut down by lots of volley gunfire. What I found that works is screening my heavy hitters with tougher units such as the Aberrants or a Cult Russ. Monster's Vigor keeps the Aberrant standing, and Cult Russes are pretty tough to deal with on their own. As to how I like to arm my Acolytes, I go with 10-man units, because 5-man units will not survive Scion Overwatch. Read the Drill to Perfection stratagem to understand why. I only take 3 hand flamers in each unit in order to keep their costs down and to take for the unit's special weapons choice either a pair of heavy rock saws or a pair of demo charges. Uh, the demo acolytes are great at digging out dug-in units with help from the lying-in-wait stratagem and the jackal office's priority target-sided ability. The saw acolytes are either backing up the aberrants or cult rushes Colt Russes push forward or are looking for a place to slip in behind enemy lines and do the most damage possible. All the leaders rock a bone sword and one of the unit's hand flamers because I like the, the AP of the bone sword. The hand flamer is damn useful and will be even more useful when it's got a 12 inch range. Mm -hmm. And I think the two look cool together. The Cult Creed I tend to run as Twisted Helix, so my neophytes are not scared to get stuck in or advance in the shotgun neophytes case. I'm still looking for the ideal special weapons mixture for them, but Webbers and grenade launchers are always solid. Uh, the Rock Grinder usually plays Battle Taxi for the hybrid metamorphs. Thanks to the metamorph claws and Twisted Helix Doctrine, the metamorphs can absolutely kill anything they get within close combat with, but like the Acolytes, getting there is the greater problem. The Rock Grinder is tough, but if my opponent has a chance to focus on it, it will go down before it can deploy its cargo. The Ridge Runners are my mobile fire support unit. I don't know why people like to poo-poo the Heavy Mortar. Paired with the Survey Auger, the Heavy Mortar becomes the perfect tool for digging out enemy infantry units in cover. With vehicles losing the minus one to hit rolls for moving and shooting in the same round, I see Ridge Runners becoming even more, or becoming even better at this role. Also, the Raking Fire Stratagem makes their Heavy Stubbers damn lethal. Patriarch is good, but I've become fond of making the Abominant the Warlord, giving him all the drugs, Twisted Helix, Biomorph Adaptation, Elixir of the Prime Specimen, and letting him go nuts with his Strength 14 Power Sledgehammer. Carnifexes have nothing on this guy. Yeah. I could go on, but I think you get the idea. The Clam of Us helps everyone around him get their charges off. The Nexus helps you refund your command point spends. Biophages helps Aberrants, and Pure Strains are there for branding purposes. What do you... What units do you think my cult is missing, or what way could I use my already existing forces to dominate in 9th edition? As for my rules questions, 1. The Lying in Wait stratagem lets you set up a deep striking unit within 3 inches of an enemy unit instead of the normal 9 inches. Infiltrators have an ability that forces enemies that set up via deep strike to be more than 12 inches away from them. Which takes precedence over the other, the stratagem or the unit ability? Would it be the same if the stratagem and ability were inverted? Uh, 
Two, I understand that the gene sect in the codex prevents you from taking multiples of the same kind of character in the HQ slot, but does that apply? Does the same apply to characters in the elite slot? I truly love the idea of using more than one Sanctus to torment my opponent, especially all those squishy psychers. Also, a second Climavus would be oh so helpful. Uh, thank you for your time. Please continue making the best 40k podcast on the net. Sincerely, Evan from Central New York. Well, we are not other podcasts, so I can't guarantee that we make the best one, but I appreciate the praise, <laughs> Evan. Um, actually, I can answer the gene sect one right away unless this has been eroded and I will double check but the way the gene sect rule is currently written is it is not limited to the HQ slot it is you cannot have more than one of any gene stealer cult character in the same detachment yeah so if you want to spend the command points in ninth edition to get another detachment then that opens up second sets of of characters that you can run in those detachments right um so that one that one's actually pretty easy and i will let me double check that that is not any different nope that has not been changed at all so yes it's just characters across the board if they have the character keyword you can't double them up in the same detachment Uh, as far as the rule interaction between a stratagem and a unit ability um let's see again to the faq and I know they've added a bunch of uh, rare rules interactions. Usually, if there are two rules that counter each other, I believe it's the player whose turn it is has rules that take precedence, but that may not always be the case. Yeah, that's the basic resolution mechanic. So I would I would agree that like if it's your turn when you play it, you get to choose the order in which they occur. Let's see, lying. Let's see the the Let's see how how is lying in wait. Use the stratagem when you set up a unit from your army that has the cult ambush ability as reinforcements. When setting up that unit, it can be set up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than three inches from any enemy models, but that unit cannot make a charge move this turn. And then, uh, so is that uh, Space Marine Infiltrators? Uh, it's it's specifically the Space Marine Infiltrators because they do have a rule that, that says you can't. Um, enemy yeah, units that are okay. Uh, the Omni Scramblers. Enemy units that are set up on the battlefield as reinforcements cannot be set up within twelve inches of this unit. Okay, so you are bringing them in as reinforcements. The strat the stratagem just says that when you bring them in as reinforcements, you bring them up within three inches instead of nine inches. So it's basically rewriting the cult an- cult ambush rule for that unit. I would say the Infiltrator Squad actually takes precedence because it specifies nothing that has comes in as reinforcements can come in closer than 12. That is generally how I would phrase I think that would work. Yeah, I don't know that I have a, any counter to that. It doesn't It doesn't quite seem like that's how it should work, but that seems how it's written. <laughs> um, let me see if the infiltrators themselves have anything on them, because they might. Um, there's Okay, so there's no errata or FAQs on the infiltrators themselves. But lying in wait has been changed to specify that they are being set up as reinforcements. So yeah, really it would come down to which takes precedence, a unit ability or a stratagem. And is a stratagem, does a stratagem take precedent because it is more specific? I'm trying to think, and I don't know where to find this, but I seem to remember a generic kind of rule of thumb that they had put into the game somewhere where they basically just said that two rules that are just completely opposite one is like 
a unit can do something and the other rule is a unit can't do something that that there was a a precedent for either the can or can't rule taking precedence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. But I can't. I, I can't. Player's turn. But I can't find anything, and I don't remember which which way they said whether it was the can or can't rule. So it also it differs based on different rules. So if, like now it does because like for example, if you have rules that say always fight first versus always fight last, they just cancel out. But then a morale rule, uh, like for morale, that says like if a unit is affected by conflicting rules, like one that says they always pass and one that says they always fail, the always pass takes precedent. Um, so it's not necessarily consistent. If attacking model and target unit have conflicting rules, attacking model's rule takes precedence. And that's in the case of uh, like if you have a, an attacker that always hits on twos, but somebody who has a rule says, no, you always hit me on sixes attacker's rule takes precedence and generally if there's a, a, a sequencing like if things happen have to happen in a certain order usually it's that is a case where it's the active player determines yeah but this is a little bit different because it seems like they're both always kind of always on rules and there's yeah. not really a sequencing yeah sequencing right. if several rules must be resolved at the same time the player whose turn it is chooses the order to resolve them but the, these are – one is just a hard limitation of you can't do this. Like nothing can be placed within 12 inches of me during – as reinforcement. And the other is a rule that says when you put them in as reinforcements, they enter in within three inches. And I, I find it difficult to think that – let's see. When setting up that unit, you can be set up anywhere – okay, so – when you set up as reinforcements, so it, it's even with the sentence change, it's just a clarification. It still says that they're set up as reinforcements using the cult ambush ability. Uh, when setting up that unit, it can be set up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than three inches from any any enemy models, but that unit cannot make a charge move this turn. I don't want to say it's what player's turn it is because then anybody who has a deep strike ability says you deep strike within nine inches. Well, it's my turn, so it takes precedence. Right. That would make the infiltrator rule pointless. True. So the question is, does the stratagem give it special dispensation to break that because you are spending command points on it? And I would say no, but I I don't like I don't have any hard and fast rules reasoning to say that, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think I'm kind of coming down on this that same side. If you think of it, the fact that. The lying in wait stratagem basically lets you break the normal rules of being able to use the cult ambush deployment. Mm-hmm. You still have would still have to abide by other limitations, and those other limitations would include the the infiltrator's rule, right? So until we get a, a clear FAQ on this. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I have to lean is that the infiltrators, by the nature of their rule being kind of a passive aura that will never take a ca- never take effect on their own turn, they kind of have to take precedence over even a stratagem. Unless we can find a guideline that says, no, stratagems always take precedence. Like I said, I don't have anything that I can just point to and say, aha, there is the, there is the rule that says it. But, right. But yeah, I I would say that the infiltrators take precedence 
And I would say even if it was reversed where like Cult Ambush just had an ability said, no, you can deep strike within three inches of someone. And then on their turn, the Space Marine player played an ability that said, until the beginning of your next turn, nobody can deep strike or nobody can be uh, deployed as re- as reinforcements within 12 inches of this unit, I would still say that ability would take effect, would take precedence. Because again, it just kind of becomes a passive limitation on all re- all reinforcements, regardless of whether you're changing the rules of cult ambush or not. It may this may not be be a correct ruling, but that's that's how I would rule it at an event. It's maybe not the prettiest ruling, and I wish I could back it up with more, but that's kind of how I would have to parse it out. Now, as far as units that I think his cult is missing, I really don't he- think it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's. I'll be be honest. You sound like you have way more experience playing Colt than I do, because <laughs> <laughs> I usually play my other stuff. I've only played Colt like I've got a bunch of it. I've I've only played them here and there. So about the only thing that I can say is that. Uh, like you've got ridge runners, and like I, I'm, I'm on board with pretty much everything that you have to say in how you've run them. It, it all sounds pretty, pretty accurate and, and valid. I would maybe consider like if the problem you're having is is getting there, maybe. And I, I know I mentioned them with the, with the last, like, starter list, the Atlan Jackals, and, and, uh, you've already got the, the Jackal Alphas, but running more fast moving stuff might be the answer. And kind of start with the, the tougher vehicles on the board and then have other stuff pop up out of Cult Ambush. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, and, also, like Overwatch is not going to be nearly an, as big an issue in Ninth, so I think you know, like you can basically layer your assaults and such, so that you know you're only going to be taking one unit's worth of Overwatch. So if you can just kind of pop up and get in his face, or just run so many things at him that he can't, they just overwhelm him with targets. That will probably do a pretty good job, and not because like. As a Tau player, I have played against like a competitive level um, Gene Steeler Cult Army, and like basically kept things out of my line of sight. And, I, and I'm running with like a Townar, and so there's not much that I can't see. But he managed to keep enough stuff out of my line of sight, made me go first. So I basically wasted a turn of shooting because I couldn't see anything wasted my second turn because he'd only taken one turn at that point to kind of move some stuff around and then third turn everything popped up and just tore me apart and i never recovered and that's kind of how you would have to play against an army that that can shoot you off the board is just don't present him with any good targets until it's time to spring the trap and then he's not going to survive right and i think that's basically how how this is going to work but evan i your collection is pretty sufficient i think you've you know short of like as richard suggested maybe adding some jackals uh you've pretty much got everything you need right there yeah so i think and it sounds like he's got a really good sense of like these are the tactics that i would use to deal with them just how can i get a 
to be better. And it's like, I think you're there, dude. This is just just revising and, and fine-tuning the strategy. Yeah. All right. And if you've got, uh, you know, whether it's rules questions or uh, – rules interpretations what you think what we think of it, like what your strategies are or if you have any uh comments uh things you want to share with us uh you can just uh send us a letter and there's three good ways to do that our three ways are first you can email us our email address is our our first names at preferredenemies.com so rob at kevin at dennis at richard at preferredenemies.com second is uh facebook we're at facebook.com slash preferred enemies you can like us there follow us we share what we're working on news updates things like that uh and then third is twitter we are on twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular and we take all our letters and writings from those uh three sources compile them together throw them into the hopper and get through as many as we can in an episode in a timely fashion in addition we do have a patreon although right now if uh you know, if you can support the show, great. We're actually really good on funding money and everyone's set up with equipment and we are good to go on that front at present. So don't feel any need to help out. Uh, you can put those uh, resources into helping like food banks and rent funds and things like that in your area as people are struggling financially uh, through this crazy little pandemic we have going through 2020. Uh, but if you do want to support the show, we are at patreon.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, we don't put any of our episodes behind a paywall and there's no tiers. It's just an online tip jar. And if, if all you want to do is like a dollar a month, enough people do that. It adds up and it like it pays for our hosting. It pays, like I said, pays for new microphones when we need them. And which is important now as we are completely remote and just keeps us going. So uh, we appreciate what support we are getting, but please don't feel any need to give if you are even in a slightly questionable financial situation or if you have other uh, causes in your area that could benefit more directly from your uh, financial assistance. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our main topic, which is getting started in 9th edition 40K with Chaos Start Collecting Sets. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, 
waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is getting started in 9th Edition 40K, Chaos Edition. Uh, as we did in our last episode, we are looking purely at the start collecting boxes. Uh, there are no start other starter products. Uh, we, last time we looked at Indominus and the Elite Editions and Recruit Editions and such. But uh, we're looking at start collecting boxes for Chaos. There are six available. Uh, one army that is not present among them is Death Guard. There are no longer any... Ninth edition Death Guard starting products. You and might I would be able to track down some Dark Imperium sets, but for the purpose of this video, since we're focusing on what's available in Ninth Edition, that li- those those options will not be listed as available. Yeah, and I imagine there'll be a start collecting box for Death Guard once their Codex releases, because there was the Indominus stuff. There was the two starter edition, you know, the smaller and the larger started it, uh, start collecting uh, starter boxes. So. I imagine there will be stuff out there, but it just there's nothing available right now. Right. And we know that Codex is coming before the end of the year, so uh, we can possibly revisit it at that time when, if such a product becomes available. But uh, we're going to start off with the two Chaos Space Marine factions that are available, and then we'll finish up with the four Demon Codex uh, start collecting boxes that are available. Uh, we're going to start it off with the uh, start collecting Chaos Space Marines. Which, if you saw Shadow Spear uh, when it came out a year or so ago, may seem very familiar <laughs> because <laughs> it is the models from that. Yeah. And from a, because uh, one of the things that I did is I went through and I, I did cost, you know, cost and the total number of points to ki- kind of build it as the, uh, you know, as the box art shows. Um, how many power levels that is, what the model count is, what your kind of like value for that money is. And quite honestly, like the Chaos Space Marine box, like from all the value metrics, it is far and away the most PL. It is far and away the most points. It's far and away the best like value for what you're getting. And it's also one that I would not recommend buying multiples of. <laughs> no. And one of the problems with that is because everything in here is monopose. You yeah. are, you do not get any options. Um, and even like, there's no flexibility in the characters. Like the HQ you get, yeah. that's the HQ you got. And it is. Now, I, if there are some models in here that don't have standalone versions right now, like the Venom Crawler. Or, or the, the new, Greater Possessed. Greater Possessed, or even the new Obliterators. I don't think they've done a new Obliterator kit. That's right. Yeah, they haven't yet. And I imagine that stuff will be on the way eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's so it's a very interesting start collecting box. I, I think it is a very, very valuable box from the perspective of getting, you know, from the perspective of like value and like if you missed out on Shadow Spear or you didn't want the the Vanguard Marine stuff out of Shadow Spear, it is a very very good value in that regard. But nothing in here is 
ideal for like how I would how I would kit him out. Like the so you get in here. So let's just kind of go through the the whole thing. You get the Master of Possession HQ. Mm-hmm. You get a ten man uh, Chaos Marine squad, which we'll get into a little bit more of later. You get two Greater Possessed, and then uh, two Obliterators. So and and then the Venom Crawler. So you get a good cross section. You get an HQ. You get a, a troop choice that you are going to use because Chaos Space Marines are, are one of two troop choices. You get Obliterators, which are really good. The Greater Possessed have uses in certain builds. And the Venom Crawler is a very solid demon engine. The problem is that none of these really fit together super well. Like, it feels like you're building from multiple different things. The Master of Possession's ability doesn't really help anyone in this army. (laughs) You know? Right. (laughs) The Greater Possessed are really great... Like buffing assault units, but your chaos marines aren't kitted out with like chain swords and bolt pistols. It's a kind of mismatch of, you know, a, a champion with a chain axe and bolt guns and some guys with chain swords and an auto cannon and a, you know, plasma gun. You don't have like an ideal build out for any of, for really any one specific thing. And since they're monopose, you can't really easily convert them up. I, I think this is a box that I would recommend buying one of because I think that there are valuable models in here. And I think there's, you could find if you're building out an army, no matter what legion you're building for, you can use the space marines that are in here in that legion. If you're going to do, you know, uh, world eaters or something like that and you want to have like, Chaos Marines with assault weapons. You've got some of those. If you're wanting to do Alpha Legion or Iron Hand, uh, Iron Warriors, you've got guys with bolters and some heavy weapons. So, like, there's good choices, but they're not ideal for any one specific thing. Right. And uh, the other, on the flip side of that, too, the new, the other reason why I wouldn't recommend necessarily buying multiples of this is there's a ton of flexibility with the, the, options you have for chaos marines and the new chaos marine box set is fantastic and you can build it any way you want so i think this is a good it's a good start collecting box you know it's a good starting place for chaos and then Mm -hmm. i think from there depending on what legion you want to go for or what feel you're wanting to add to this army then you can go forward if you you know for example if you want to take the Venom Crawler and build up from there and say, okay, how do I build more to this Demon Engine theme? Then you start adding your Lord's Discordant, your Defilers, you know, your other like Demon Engines, and you can build a really solid Demon Engine army with using this as the core. And then you add your Obliterators and, you know, your Chaos Troops to kind of hold the line. Like, that's a really solid spot to start. If you want to go with a more troop heavy army then yeah you could potentially maybe you could potentially buy a second one of these and then buy another box of troops and have a lot of options to kit out squadrons in different ways so i think it does provide a good starting point and a lot of flexibility but you're going to depending on what legion you're wanting to take you're, you know, will will kind of determine what what additional hqs to buy what additional units to buy but this is a you know this is a solid starting place. You're going to use obliterators probably in any list. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to want to use the greater possessed in 
most lists where you have assault, you know, assault things and uh, assault factions or assault uh, elements. So, you know, Terminators or Possessed or other or Berserkers or things like that. So there's a lot of good pieces, but I don't think you would use all of them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, now, there's I, I've been playing around with your your sample build here because it does make a patrol like it. Yes, it, it does make a patrol right out of the box. Perfectly legal. However, because the box contains so many points worth of models, it actually ends up in this very weird between spot where yep. it's too many models for a 500 point game because you actually get about 730, 740 points out of this. Yep. Or it's too few points for a thousand point game. Yeah. Now, fortunately, one thing you can do is you can get this down to 500 points or 496 points very easily. And you can do that by dropping one obliterator and both greater possessed from the list. And then you're at 496 points. And that's actually a pretty well-rounded list for patrol because mm-hmm. you're going to have 10 Marines. And actually, you can take the squad. If you if you get a little bit creative with, with parsing out the unit... You can actually end up making two marine squads with this because what I did uh, is you've got the the guy who's meant to be an aspiring champion, obviously with the chain yeah. axe and plasma pistol. Put him in a squad with three the th- uh, three of the chain sword marines and the guy with the plasma gun, and that's yep. your squad that rushes up and and gets in people's faces. And then you've got take one of the other chain you'll have one chain sword marine left over make him the aspiring champion for a second squad then put the three bolt gun marines in there and the auto cannon and that's your squad that kind of sits back and shoots yep and so you can kind of do that since chaos marines can't combat squad uh, the points work out to exactly the same as if you ran them all as one unit of 10 so um it just really like do you want to run them all as one mixed unit or do you want to kind of spread them out a bit and then yeah. one obliterator and one venom crawler at 500 points will get work done. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so so it it could work very easily to like out of the box here get a 500 point game that I think would be very, you know, army that would be very competitive. Um that would be very very hard to deal with because there's a lot of good things in here. I really like the greater possessed, but I don't feel they really fit. <laughs> With yeah, the they, rest of the they need here, yeah. more demon stuff to run with, and like yeah. S- Storm or Shadow Spear. Shadow Spear was an interesting set because it, it was telling a narrative, which is yeah. why you've got the Greater Possessed, which is why you've got a Demon Engine, which is why you've got a Master Possession. So it was an interesting box set. I don't know how well it works as a as a standalone collecting set. And as you said, like there are other like to expand upon this. Yeah, you're better off buying a box of Marines or a box mm-hmm. of Terminators or stuff like that. And you could easily get up to a thousand points that way just with a box or two of stuff. Oh, very. Yeah. Another. Yeah. Another 10 man squad of Chaos Marines or, you know, buying a couple of the, the quick build cultist boxes, you know, and getting 10 to 15 cultists like would round this out to a thousand points very easily. Yes. And you could get it up to, uh, you know, with three troop choices could get this up to a battalion pretty mm-hmm. pretty easily. Uh, you'd need to get a second HQ, which uh, there are definitely plenty of options for that right now, like the new Chaos Sorcerer if you want to have that, or make somebody into a Chaos Lord. Yeah, you've got options there. Yeah. And this is really going to fit... Uh, you can. I think this fits 
some legions better than others. I think for like a word bearers army, this would be a fantastic starting place. Yes. Obviously black legion is kind of what it was originally intended to be. That'll work great. Um, I think with the demon engine and the obliterators, this could be a good start for an uh, iron warriors army. Mm hmm. Cause yeah, you've got those demon engines there. Um, and you've got some shooting guys, you know, that the unit kind of leans more towards shooting than assault. With the the uh, auto cannon in it, past that, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a harder fit for like it'll work okay for Emperor's Children. It does not work terribly well for Night Lords or uh, World Eaters. Yeah, no, that's that's fair, and I I think there are elements in here that you would that you would could use in those, but yeah, like I don't think you're. I don't think the bulk of this works very well for those armies, but yeah, for for a lot, like I said, for a lot of the other legions, Alpha Legion's the other one that also this would totally work for. Yeah, yeah, Alpha Legion this would work fine for. Um, and then any of the Renegades. Renegades always work, Renegade chapters always work well with pretty much anything. Yeah. And then I think one that would be fun, and if you wanted a second HQ, pick up Fabius Bile. Yeah. And make this a, yeah. the 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 starter part of a creations of bile army. And that could be a lot of fun to play around with. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Um, one other thing kind of, and this is jumping ahead a little bit. Are there any of the particular, and we'll talk more about them later, but are there any of the particular like demon starter sets that you think would pair well with this? Because the possessed, as we mentioned, do give bonuses to, um, you know, to demons uh, with extra strength. And then the, uh, Master of Possessions, I believe, does something for demons, doesn't he? Uh, Master of Possession. Uh, let's see. No, I guess he doesn't. No, he d- he. It mostly, it, mostly it's tied into his uh, psychic yeah, powers. Yeah, psychic powers, and I don't. Yeah, I didn't list those out. Um, but uh, you know w- what I'm wondering is, you know, and like I said, we'll jump more into him. But I'm wondering if like pairing this with like say the demons of Nurgle or the demons of Corn starter set, which both clock in around 350, 360 points, you know, if that's something that could get you to a thousand points and kind of do kind of a mixed chaos force. Or, yeah, be, or do you think you'd be better to start? I, I think I would still try to pad this thousand points out with just space marine stuff. And and then, uh, then add on demons to taste later at like as you're trying to build towards 2000 that's fair but yeah good starter point don't double up on it at all and then just figure out like play around with this though and figure out like what where what direction do you want to go in because it'll give you a little bit of a taste of everything but you're stuck with the configuration that they have here Mm -hmm. and i and like, it's not what I would, like a lot of the starter lists, it's not what I would consider necessarily an ideal starting point, but it's what they've made available. And it works. Yeah. Next up, we've got uh, an interesting one, Thousand Suns. Uh, Thousand Suns is an interesting list because it's one of the only ones that has a named character. And not just like a minor yeah. named character they made up just for uh, <laughs> the start collecting box. You get Armon. Yeah. Like, they're head sorcerer. Yeah. This is a very interesting one, because I kind of think this is one that, despite having Aramon, I think this is one that you would double up on uh, if you're wanting to play Thousand Suns. So, it starts with Aramon, um, you know, the big big dude himself. 
who is one of the best psychers in the game. So you're you're if you're playing Thousand Suns, you're gonna play with him. Right. It gives you a ten man set of Rubric Marines, which gives you the aspiring sorcerer, uh, a Soul Reaper cannon, four Inferno, Inferno bolt guns, four warp flamers. So you kind of get a mixture between the weapon options for them, as well as it gives you a ten uh, man uh, Zangor squad, which which is all uh, auto pistol chainsword. That's the core for any. Any thousand sun army, like you're you're going to take, you're going to take as many as uh, you know Zangors as possible. You're definitely going to take Aramon. You're going to include Rubric Marines, you know, where you have points. But like, I mean, that's this is like actually kind of an ideal starter, aside from the fact that it's Aramon instead of the name, you know, the generic sorcerer. This this is exactly what you need. Like, just. Straight up, this is exactly what you need to to get started with this army. Yes, and it comes out to four hundred and eighty-two points. So you pick this up, you build them as they show on the box, and you're basically good to play a five hundred point army. You know, five hundred point game. Yes, like it, because I the the downside with Thousand Sons is they are so like elite. Uh, that you can't really like fill a lot of cheap points, <laughs> so like you really won't be able to get much closer to five hundred points, and uh, unless you ch- start changing things up anyway. So I, I don't know. Like I, I think this is kind of an ideal starter box. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, what you can do at that point to to double the like to quickly expand this, yeah, double up on this box. Now you're gonna have two Armon. Set one yep. of them aside. Just trade them off or, to somebody. Sell them. Whatever. Or do do some. You know, use go through the bits box. Try to f- do some conversions and make him just into a second sorcerer. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is the the two things you could pick up to quickly pad this army out would be a the second start collecting kit because now you have two units of Rubik Marines. Uh, you could uh, suddenly have one big unit of Zangors, which that tends to work really well. Yes. <laughs> Like, you might have to play around with your weaponry just a little bit. But then what you, what, what you do then is you've got your second star collecting box. Then buy the box of Exalted Sorcerers. Because you get three there. Two on foot, one on a disc. Mm-hmm. And now your three HQs are Armon, another sorcerer, a sorcerer on a disc, and a sorcerer on foot. Two units of Ru- Rubric Marines, and then a unit of, like, 19 Zangors. And that actually puts you at... A thousand and five, and if you tweak the weaponry on the rubric marines, because the warp flamers are really expensive, yeah, you can easily get that down to um, under a thousand to uh, to under a thousand. Yeah, no, and that's that's the nice thing is, is unlike the the other chaos marine that we talked about, like these are all cust- you know, all the weapon options are available for things like things are full spruce. So I believe you even get. And I'd have to double check. I believe you even get the sprues for the Zangors to do like the double hand weapons, which is actually in a lot of ways better and cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get the actual options on the Zangors to do the double hand weapons because it's an upgrade sprue to do the chain sword and uh, auto pistol. You do the double, you do the double hand weapons for them, especially with a large group of 20, you were going to murder things. It's also very cheap. And then, yeah, then you can play around and, and pick what, if you want to have warp flamers on your, 
your rubric marines because flamers we talked about are are awesome and theirs are even better um or you can you know, save points and go with um the okay. the they're super awesome bolters instead and then um yeah then you've got points to be able to do things with you know with the 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 exalt the exalted sorcerers and just have some real fun with it so so here we go um with uh a unit uh so you've got armon an exalted sorcerer an exalted sorcerer on a disc and then a unit of Rubik Marines, as it's pictured on the box, four Warp Flamers, four Bolt Guns, Soul Reaper, and Aspiring Sorcerer. And then a second unit of uh, Rubik Marines that has f- six Inferno Bolt Guns and two Warp Flamers. Because the box gives you enough to put put those weapons on every like either weapon on everybody. So, yeah. so you, you've got enough Inferno Bolt Guns to be able to do this. Uh, a unit of 20 Zangors with the Zangor Blades, because you've doubled up on boxes. And then that comes to 998 points. <laughs> There's your thousand point list. You've got five psychers in the list. You've got a big melee unit that can just get in people's faces and ruin their day. And like, that's a per like you could have the exalted sorcerer, like one of the exalted sorcerers with warp time following him around them around and just slingshot them forward and then you've got lots of really nasty shooting with those two units of Rubik Marines. And like I said, you could even do that to taste and have um, like more or fewer warp flamers or bolt guns. Like if you did more bolt guns and fewer warp flamers, you'd actually free up a number of points to do something else with. Like you could get another unit if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, you can really quickly ramp, ramp this up to a thousand point army. Just by doubling up on this. But the default layout that you've got is still like a 500 point army. Yeah. And then. Or 482. The, if, I mean, it's you can easily work with that. And then if, you're, if you've got it at 1,000 points and you want to quickly ramp it up. Th- this is why I kind of enjoy this army because it's so like elite that like it's very easy to ramp the points up and, and make it still make it good. If you wanted to take it from that point and get it from 1,000 points to 2,000 points. Here's the two things that I would do. Magnus, which is 465 <laughs> points. Yep. And then you could do a couple of options, but one I kind of enjoy is a 10-man Terminator squad. Which the Scarab Terminator? Yeah, the Scarab Occult Terminator, so it's 375 points. And at that point, that you still have a little bit of points to play around with. You still have another 100, you know, 150 points or so. But at that point, you've got – and then, heck, you just fill that out with more Zangors. At that point, you've got a ton of infantry, a ton of psychers, and then several huge, gigantic threats that are going to have to be dealt with. Um, yes. I think that'd be a really fun way to play with that army. Yeah, I, honestly, this army, this start box gives you such a good foundational start mm-hmm. to this army. It becomes really easy to, to just quickly build it up to something that will be competitive. Like, this, yeah. as... As is, this will be it. Like that two thousand point list you hit is gonna swing hard. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a good list to start with. So uh, one of their probably one of their better starter boxes, and it's still roughly five points per dollar, which puts it in the in, in pretty much the middle middle of the road for value. Yeah, like for cash value. When I just like the fact that you get, you know, what you get in it. Like you just get. So such good options for that, you know, for what you're you're getting, like, and it's because again, like 
one HQ and, and two troops just is just a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It gives you such a good balance to be able to then go and, and move move forward. And there's not many of these. I guess there's some, but looking through this, there's not like a ton of these start collecting boxes that give you two distinct troop options. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I said, you buy a second one of these boxes. Yes, you get an extra arm on. You can eBay that guy. He's 40 bucks new. Let's say you mm-hmm. eBay him off for like 30 which is still going to be a great deal for somebody that offsets the cost of your second start collecting box. Like you, yeah. you've made back a third of that cost. Yeah. So it becomes very cost effective to buy two of these much more so than buying the individual boxes separately. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, this is a, this is a great start collecting box and thousand sons are a neat army to play. And this army gets you into all the phases of the game. Cause uh, you've got units on, on discs and you've got big horde units. So you're going to lo- learn a lot of like movement. You've got sh- lots of shooting. You've got an assault unit with the Zangors. I mean, and obviously you're ton of psychic, like you're going to yeah. dominate the psychic phase. So, uh, this army covers all the bases. And then, yeah, you add a cup, you add a big monster like Magnus to it. You're going to get a good feel for the game. Yeah. I think this will be a fun one. And then that takes us to our four uh, start collecting boxes. And we're going to kick it off with the uh, start collecting Demons of Slanesh, which was the last one to be done, I believe. Yeah. And so, okay, let's. So on the, the Demons of Slanesh, let me find it here. Sorry. Um, okay. So I had actually, I had, I had actually uh, incorrectly listed out when I initially did this. Because initially I thought this was the one. This is one that you didn't get an HQ with, but there is a way to take the uh, herald on the chariot. Is it just well, called the, the chariot? Hellfla- yeah. Well, there's the hellflayer. Yeah, the hellflayer or the hellflayer. secret yeah. chariot or the exalted secret chariot. Yeah, it's the exalted secret chariot. I think is what it was. Yeah, yeah. So you get the the uh, the herald on the exalted uh, secret chariot. Nine demonet or ten demonets, and then a unit of seekers. It's it's a solid place to start because those are all like, things that you're going to use if you're doing a demon army. It the demon the demon starter boxes are also a little bit unique in that for each god for demons there's only so many choices. Like you get usually one one troop, one elite, one fast. So a lot of these are going to be kind of paired together. You know, to to either you're either going to double up to get enough. To, to run an army, or you're going to pair this with one of the other ones. Yeah, and the problem with this one is what you get in this list is real squishy. Yeah. Well, a Slanesh army in general is real squishy. There's no getting around yeah. that. But what this box does give you is the two, I'll say the solid foundations of the Seekers and the Demonettes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the two core things you'll want in your army, because the Seekers are fast can get into combat first turn they're amazing and the demonettes are blenders if you can get them up into close combat which is getting better now with the smaller right. boards and whatnot yeah so i would recommend i would say you you need two boxes to make this workable if it is right. a money deal savings that is um yeah because two of them give you two squads of demonettes and you can put the two five squads of se- or squads of five seekers together to make one squad of ten. You've got your HQ in the chariot. 
in the second chariot box or the chariot out of the second box, you can break apart and make two of the smaller chariots because the exalted chariot is just those other two kits put together. Uh, into a, Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep. So you can actually then have, I mean, it would be a Vanguard detachment or I don't know. You can have three fast in a patrol, not in a patrol, but at yeah. that point when you're doubling up on these boxes, you're already into uh, battalion range. Yeah. Mm. So, although you're going to have problems with battalions because you're going to need a third troop choice. Yeah. Because yeah, no, I mean, it wouldn't be. It would have to be a vanguard because you'd have yeah. your three fast, two uh-huh. troops, and one HQ. Unless you need two HQs for the vanguard. No, you only need one. Okay. So yeah, two boxes can make a vanguard. I mean, it's like Rob said, it's going to be a super squishy vanguard. I don't see it doing too well in mini games because it doesn't have firepower. It doesn't have demon prince or aura support it needs mm-hmm. and with only one herald hq i mean the chariot will keep up with even the the seekers and the other chariots and then that kind of leaves the demonettes high and dry so it it doesn't have much versatility no it doesn't but that's also one of the things a lot of these like chaos demon armies are not they're not going to be very versatile they're all kind yeah. of one note because that's that's how they work <laughs> Yeah, right. so I mean, I would say if you wanted to go all in on Slanesh, two of these boxes would be a good foundation, but you would need to pick up other things to sprinkle in to make it, I don't want to say usable, but make it to be more fun playable. So depending on how you build it out, it's around 350, 360 points for this box. So you would definitely need to add additional things to it to be able to get up to 500 points. If you doubled up on it, and did another HQ, or not that's another HQ, another troop unit. Yeah, if you bought another box, you basically could add in demonettes and then, you know, the two secret chariots, and that gets you to 510. So you might have to cut a few points here or there. But that basically, you know, two of those could easily get you to a 500-point army uh, with just the stuff in those boxes. And then I guess depending, like, you know, what what would be the, or what's the thought on, like, using this to supplement like another starting box from like either demons or trying to do like something like adding this to Emperor's children. Does that work? Or is that purely a, like I just want to play Slanesh and that's why I would do a type thing. I would say the latter. I, I, I don't think Slanesh actually helps any, maybe Zinch because Corn already has the melee that Slanesh does. Mm-hmm. Nurgle doesn't really need it. Um, Zinch would and Zinch would just use the demonettes as like speed bumps. Right. <laughs> they, would just, they would just be there, like, oh yeah, you have to shoot these before you get to us, type thing. And All right. Say- okay, so here here's what you can do. In a to get to this to a thousand points, you buy two of these boxes. You make one into the uh, Herald of Sinesh on the Exalted Seeker Chariot. You sp- break the other two into a pair of secret chariots, which are heavy support options. Mm-hmm. So, and you can have two heavy support options in a patrol. So you're, you're still at patrol level. Um, so you've got two, five, f- five demon units of seekers two uh, 10 demon units of demonettes. And then the Herald, then you add, you buy an additional box of demonettes and build it identical to the other two. So now you have three, or you could have one that doubled up into a 20, demon unit and then buy the uh, keeper of secrets that gets you all those together gets you to 995 points 
Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I'm assuming this is the bare bones Keeper of Secrets and not with many upgrades. Uh, this is a Keeper of Secrets with... Uh, well, the thing is, all their upgrades cost have no cost except for the Shining Ages. Oh, the nice. Sh- yeah, the Shining Ages costs 10 points. If you combined... It, if you combined the two units of demonettes into one, then you're only paying for one icon and one instrument, which shaves a fair like shaves twenty five points off. So now you're at nine hundred and seventy points. You could easily give it the Shining Ages. And I will say, the Keeper of Secrets in a lower point game would be a scary thing to face down against. Yeah, at a thousand points. Yeah, so yeah, nine hundred eighty points if you make a 20 demon unit and a 10 demon unit. And that still counts as a patrol detachment. And because being a patrol detachment doesn't hurt you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You've got like between the secret chariots and the seekers themselves, you've got some units that can just run up, get in their face right away. You've got the demonets that can then follow in. And then, yeah, you've got that, that keeper just being a beast to deal with. You mean being the fire magnet that they have to decide if they're going to try and take it down or take it down all the stuff that's in their face. Exactly. Right. And at a thousand points, there's not going to be quite as much stuff aimed at that keeper secret. So right. it'll, no, it'll th- stick around. This, this is really good. I like it. Yeah. And there's other HQ options if you want to, to get into, uh, you know, for the army. But this would be a really quick way to build up a demon's army into a thousand points. And then from there, you can decide where you want to go. Do you want to build Chaos Space Marines, or do you just want to keep expanding upon what you're doing there? Get a Demon Prince, get the uh, Contorted Epitome, uh, get Siselk, er, and uh, yeah, just, there's so many things you can do at, after this point. But that would get you a really strong core, I think, of a Slanesh army. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, now I, one thing I will say, you notice I said you have to buy two starting boxes and a big <laughs> and monster, which is which is 140 bo- bucks. The Keeper Secrets costs more than the start collecting box. Right. And you're buying a, an extra box of demonets. Yep. This is going to be a more expensive army to start in. in and the points per dollar on this is like th- less than four points a dollar. It's, it's the, one of the lowest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the value's not great. Yeah, and that, That's because this is a treated like a horde army yes and so yeah and yeah horde armies require a lot and especially like slanesh is in a weird spot right now where they're a horde army that requires a lot of bodies and also a lot of big you know big threatening units to like really work so hopefully they'll address that when they get their new codex because slanesh is not in like a great place (laughs) I don't think no, it's not going to get a codex by themselves, though. <laughs> well, I mean, but like once they get updates, because like there'll be a co- there'll be a chaos demons codex at some point in the next year, I assume. I will say, I think with some of the changes to things like Overwatch and the smaller boards, I think, and also the way assault works, like selecting who fights, so always fight first actually has a, a distinct benefit. I think Slanesh is in a better place than it was. Oh, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yes. And I, so I think played, played smart, this army could be real nasty. It is going to be a little bit more of a finesse army than some of the other ones that we're talking about, but I think it's, it'll still do fine. But yeah, it's definitely one that you are going to have to drop more into and be prepared to lose a lot of models along, along the way during a game. Right. 
Which then moves us to the opposite of Slanesh on the chaos in the chaos axis, which is corn. Uh, yeah. The, the starting box for corn uh, gets you a blood throne, which is a herald on you know herald on a blood throne, a unit of ten blood letters, and a unit of three blood crushers. So, Kevin, what do you think of this one? So it's kind of interesting. Like, if you're gonna play corn, you definitely need a lot of blood letters. Like, so you get kind of enough generic stuff in here. And like, so blood crushers are a unit that I don't particularly like because I don't think they're quite good enough um, for their. They're points better and, than they were with the updates from that's, Engine War. That's the other thing I was to say is like with Engine War, which I have not played them since then, so I I, I can't speak to it personally they appear to be a lot better than they used to be. So this is an army where I could absolutely see you buying two of these because the seeker, the seeker, the um, herald on the blood throne is really good. And it's a good fast moving beat stick. I personally hate the model, but that's, we've had that conversation a bunch of times. You could also use it as, you know, if you buy a second one to kind of buff this out a little bit, you could turn the other one into the skull cannon, uh, which is really good. Um, and then that also gives you the ability to take the herald and put him on foot, you know, and 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 have run another, you know, and run a foot herald as well. It runs into the same problem that, like, as we talked about with Slanesh, like you running into some of the other problems. If you're, you know, it, it's it's a horde army where you need a lot of bodies, and then you need to throw in. Uh, bloodthirster or demon princes, you know, to, to kind of flesh it out. But unlike, I think the Slanesh one, this is also one that I could definitely see pairing with, with specifically, uh, uh, world eaters so that you have kind of a mixture of, you know, heavier assault and, uh, and, and lighter assault with the, the blood letters. But also I could see this kind of working with the, chaos space marine starter that we talked about earlier because with the possessed and the master of possession and some of the other some of the other like more shooty elements of that starter box Mm -hmm. i actually do think this is one that kind of pairs pretty well with it because you have a couple of quick moving uh assault elements that can kind of be the vanguard for your chaos marines that kind of set back and hold the line a little bit more yeah like that's that's kind of the utility of corn is that they're you know as we mentioned with the slanesh ones like it's an army that you kind of have to play a little more subtly and like be careful on how you use it. Corn is the exact opposite. Like it's run forward and you know smash. Like there's not any subtlety at all to play corn, which is why I love playing corn. Um, <laughs> so it's you know it, it's like yeah you you throw things out there as speed bumps and make people have to deal with them. And at lower point games, they're going to be hard to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to build this out to a thousand, it's basically the same path as you'd take for the, uh, um, for the Slanesh one, where you buy a second box, Mm -hmm. you buy an extra box of blood letters, and then you buy the Bloodthirster kit and build a Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster, and this again gets you to 995 points. And that's with building the extra Blood Throne as a Skull Cannon instead. Yeah. Now you don't end up using the Herald on foot because you only, if you're doing this as, 
Well, if you're doing this as a, a, a patrol, you've only got two HQ slots. If you change it to a battalion, you can do it as three, and you could use the Herald, although that would get you over on points. But it would also mean you're running, you'd have to run the three units of blood letters as 10 each. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking at it as running one of them as 20 just to have more yeah, bodies. You're, you're better running them in larger numbers. Yeah. Yeah, so like I, I think it's kind of a lot of the same stuff that we talked about with the Slanesh one, but I think there's a little more utility in being able to like add this to a, a, a Chaos Army or add this with like say the Demons of Nurgle box to be mm-hmm. like, here is the Vanguard, like throw this out and assault and then the other stuff's going to kind of play it a little, you know, hold the line and, and do other things. So, yes, absolutely. And so why don't we just go ahead and look at the Demons of Nurgle box, which I have actually built um, mm-hmm. specifically for uh, Age of Sigmar. And that's one thing to keep in mind when you're shopping for these is that the demon boxes will all be marked as Age of Sigmar boxes, but they are equally functional in both games. Well, and the other thing to point out, too, and not not that it's not that this should be the deciding factor or anything else, but all of the demon boxes are $90 US to start. Most of the other starting boxes are 95 I don't yes. know that the five bucks will necessarily matter, but it does does you know it does affect it if we're talking about doubling up a little bit. Yes. So the the demons of Nurgle, like what you get in in this box, this is very much similar. This is very similar to the Thousand Suns army. It you know, gets starting uh, start collecting box. You get a herald of Nurgle. You get a unit of ten uh, plague bearers. You get three uh, a unit of three Nurglings. And then uh, a unit of three uh, plague drones, which are the plague bearers riding the like giant fly things, right? Which that's like again, that's the base of any Nurgle army that you're going to make. Like any Nurgle demons army is going to include copious amounts of, you know, definitely the the herald and the plague bearers and the and the, and the Nurglings, but also plague drones are pretty good too. So this is one where I could almost see like buying like three of and like building the core of your army out of just plague bearers and nurglings that are just hard to kill and like almost kind of eschewing some of the, you know, some of the larger uh, items that we talked about. And the other ones, I mean, you still want a demon prince. You still want some of your heavy hitters, but like as is, this is something that you could add to almost any chaos army and it would be super helpful. Yeah. Uh, and once again, uh, this is an army that I'm just looking at this as doubling it up the same way. You buy like you buy two boxes of this, a box of plague bearers, or like you said, for value, you could just buy a third starting box and then buy your greater demon, the great unclean one. That's 988 points. Yeah. And again, you, this now this is a piece where I could absolutely see combining this with a chaos space marine army. As oh, like, like I, you want to play him at like maybe you do start Death Guard or maybe you want to play him as like the Purge or just uh, some Renegade Nurgle fact. Like give everybody the key, you know, the Nurgle keyword, and then run this as the counterpart to that. That'll work great. Yeah, yeah, because there's so many things in the Death Guard or in the Chaos Marine book that like keys off of like the Nurgle keyword. So like Epidemus. You know, and his like talent, you know, and stuff like that, and all those things. Like, 
key off of Nurgle units rather than Chaos Marines or Demons. Like, I, yeah. Nurgle has always been one of the more flexible ones because, you know, much like Corn, having something that is, you know, the, the, the hammer, you know, to go hit things is always useful. Having a units that are, that are very tough and resilient is always useful. And there's not really any list build that couldn't be done, you know, couldn't be enhanced by including lots of cheap troops that are very durable. Yeah. And in a game that is about like you're, you're, you've got the issue of moving up, but that's also why your nurglings can, can basically infiltrate or deep strike. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember which one, which one it is, but they can, uh, I think they can, well, they're all strike. demons. So any of them can deep strike. Well, that's true. They can, but I think nurglings can specifically infiltrate yeah, they as can, well. I think it's specifically. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you so you can kind of get them on objectives if there's nobody nearby. Uh, plague bearers, like once they're on an objective, especially like if you've got a unit of twenty of them, gonna be hard to shift. Mm-hmm. And um, you've got plague drones who can actually move up at a decent decent clip and be aggressive. And then yeah, uh, a herald and a, a great unclean one. It, at at a thousand points, poof, you are gonna you're gonna clean up with very dirty things. Yeah, um, it's a very it's a very very tough army to to get rid of. Yes, uh, it it is functioning completely on melee and psychic power, so you're not gonna have really anything in the way of shooting. Um, which is and that's true for most of these units. I think the corn one's kind of an outlier because you can build the herald as a skull cannon. That is super weird that corn is the only one that gets something something that's actually good at shooting. I think the reason why corn got the guns is because they have no psychics, so that's their only way of having a type of ranged attack. Okay, that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. No, that 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 is completely fair because otherwise it would be a very, very one note. I mean corn is very one note. But uh, it would be a very one-note starter box if they didn't have the option, at least. Right. But yeah, so I, yeah, I do think that it, it is it is a little bit unusual. But Dennis, yeah, your your explanation makes sense. But again, this Nurgle box, it's it, so far we're three for three with all these having basically the same path to get up to a solid thousand point core. Buy two boxes, buy an additional troop box, buy your greater demon. You have a thousand point army. Which is just sad that you have to buy the extra stuff. It is, and it's because the value on those individual troop units not great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, although definitely not the worst army, that one will come to in another episode. Well, and it's it's just interesting because like the way the demon armies are designed, like yeah, they have a bunch of like small units that you need a lot of, and then a few big heavy hitter things, and like they're not going to put any of the greater demons in a start collecting box. No, they're not going to put a demon prince or something like that. So like you're kind of inherently left with just some of the smaller items and yeah, it ends up creating a weird feel for the army. It really does. And then that brings us to possibly the weirdest one just because of the nature of of his uh particular god godliness and that is uh the start collecting box for demons of zinch uh demons of zinch i hope you like psychic powers because that's kind of your thing (laughs) and flamers and flamers yeah 
Uh, now, actually, this army does have a bit of shooting because pink horrors actually do have a shooting attack. Right. <laughs> In fact, that's really, they're not great at assault at all. Yeah. So the start collecting box for Demons of Zinch comes with the following. You get a unit of 10 pink horrors. You get a unit of three flamers, which is another ranged attack unit. You get a unit of three screamers, which is your fast close combat unit. And then you get a burning chariot, which also can include a uh, foot, also includes a model for a herald on foot, which now can become your HQ. Uh, you can also choose to make him as a fate skimmer, which is basically a herald on a chariot. So that's like you can go either way. You can either make this as an mm-hmm. HQ and a separate heavy support or as just one HQ. So you, uh, you've definitely got some flexibility there. But we're going to go with the way it's pictured on the box, which is the change caster as a separate model, I believe. Yes. Yes, acting as a separate herald. So it's a very well-rounded box. You actually do get a lot of everything, just like you do in uh, the Nurgle start collecting box, because they kind of give you a little bit of each unit in there. Well, and, and as I was uh, really other than the Lord of Change, which obviously you said it's not going to be in here, the only characters that aren't in this that are available for Zinch Demons are named characters. So, like, your Blue Scribes, the Changeling, you know, uh, you don't get the, you know, the Blue Whores and things and the, you know, and the, the little tiny ones. Uh, I forget what those are called. But, like, you basically have every option for Zinch. You know, for Zinch Demons in this one box, so it, it's it's very interesting in that in that regard. Now, this one uh, again, you can double up, uh, and if you're building a patrol, you could choose to do two units of pink horrors or or of ten. You know, two units of ten, one unit of twenty doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the point point value is the same, and uh, these don't have uh, like they don't have the equivalent of. Well, I guess they do have the iridescent horror if you want to have kind of like a sergeant type in there. Yeah, Zinch is the one that none of us play. So this is kind of the one yeah. where we're going to be the most out of our element. So I I apologize for that. I make no uh, apologies. You make no apologies at all? <laughs> no, it's... Like I said, Zinch... It's very interesting because a lot of times, like, you see... You don't usually see Zinch by itself like typically typically these will be in support of thousand sons you know and you'll have you'll have fate weaver or lord of change magnus zangors and then a bunch of whores to just hold objectives and and generate smites (laughs) you know and so like you get a lot of good options for this but like I don't know if, like, if you're trying to build, say, like, competitive out of this, I don't know that this helps you a ton, because the um, the Pink Horse box itself, I believe, also gives you, like, blue the ability, I think, to make Blue Horse and Brimstone Horse. Oh, no, I guess it is a separate box. Yeah, the Blue Horse and the Brimstone Horse are separate boxes, so... Which is funny because they're both referred to as Horrors of Zinch, but they are two different boxes, which is yeah. really confusing. So, like, you... It, it depends on, like, how hard you want to go on the theme, because Pink Horrors, when they, you know, have rules, they can split down to Blue Horrors and then split down to Brimstone Horrors and, like, just be a massive pain uh, to deal with. 
you could also start with them as blue whores to like be even cheaper, um, which a lot of people since things since pink whores, as we mentioned, aren't particularly good at shooting, aren't particularly good at melee. They're really just there as kind of psychic point batteries, um, like super competitive zinch lists, which I don't know that there are any at this point. Um, will use like blue whores uh, instead because you still generate some of the psychic abilities. Um, and they're just cheaper. So I don't know. I, I think it kind of depends what you're trying to do with this. It, it's a well-rounded start collecting box in that it gives you everything and a ton of flexibility. But again, I don't, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to go in for theme and kind of build one specific way, like one box of this or maybe two will be very helpful. And then you're going to have to add in the larger things like Magnus or your, you know, fate weaver or demon princes, etc. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that there is a, you know, you could definitely build a very cool, uh, zinch army by pairing this with the thousand Suns start collecting box and have a, just a ton of squishy psychic things. So, uh, this one's an interesting one to double up on, uh, if you double up, uh, one thing you can do is I'm trying to figure out how to how to get the points to work on this because uh, if you build if you double up and you make the uh, herald a make you know make a, the second herald as a fate skimmer, which is a herald on a burning chariot, then that frees up the pieces to make an exalted flamer, which can be your elite, and then you can have so a unit of six flamers and an exalted flamer. You've got two units of Screamers. You still have a Burning Chariot. This actually gets you to 900 points. Oh, wow. And uh, you could buy a box of Horrors, and you, if you wanted to, you could do... Uh, a box of Pink Horrors is 80, and I'm assuming... This assumes that you throw all the other Horrors into one big unit of 20. So then you could buy like another box of 10 Horrors... That is, that's 80 points. Or you could decide, I'm going to go, let's see, you could, if you bought a box of the, just so there is a box of blue horrors and a box of pink horrors, and they are labeled separately. And the blue horrors box is the one that includes the brimstone horrors. Mm-hmm. You buy two of this box and one box of the blue horrors, and that will get you a, your herald on foot, your herald on a chariot, a burning chariot, a unit of uh, 20 pink horrors, a unit of 10 blue horrors, a unit of 10 brimstone horrors. Uh, so you've got your three troop choice. You know, you've got three troops there. So th- at this point, you could go battalion on this if you wanted to. An exalted flamer, a unit of five flamers. I had to pull one for points values. Two units of screamers. And then I said, like I said, you've got the burning chariot there. That comes in at 996 points. Now, you'll notice I did not say you have to buy a greater demon for this. Yeah. And it's just the points don't quite work out because this is also the most expensive of the greater demons at 270 points. Actually, the great unclean one is 270, but the points work out way better with the Nurgle stuff for some reason. The Zinch stuff is a little bit more expensive, Mm -hmm. especially when you get to the specialty units. And yeah, so the, the Herald on the burning chariots 160 points but you've got those parts if you double up on this box you don't have the only thing you have to then buy is an additional blue horrors box so is it it's slightly cheaper to get into i don't know how great it would be though yeah 
because I also feel like this, like the pink horrors are kind of a psychic unit a little bit. The blue horrors are a little bit. The flamers are not. The screamers are not. The burning chariot is not. And then your two heralds would be. And I feel like this army is not going to quite get you the feel of a Zinch army exactly. Now, I say that as someone, again, who has not played a Zinch Demons army, and I have seen Zinch Demons played, but as you mentioned, it's played in support of or in addition to a Thousand or a thousand Sons army. Right. And I kind of feel like that's where this box serves best for 40k is the 400 some points of Zinch Demons you want to drop into your thousand or your 2000 point uh thousand sons army yeah so uh if there are any zinch demon players out there i'd love to hear back from how you would expand this to a thousand points and or do you think that like buying to like the way i've spelled it out here we're buying two boxes and a box of blue horrors uh is enough to get you started i have a feeling this is an army that probably works better in age of sigmar than it does in 40k but that's yeah. that's just my guess because again this is a box kind of made for Age of Sigmar and the rules there are a little bit different and I know Zinch actually has some very different rules because mm-hmm. they have kind of like the miracle dice thing that uh, sisters have in 40k where they have like a pool of nine dice at the beginning of the game that they can just swap out for other things so uh, they I imagine they play a little bit differently so I can't really gauge how good this is I don't feel like it's got the resiliency and I don't know if it has the damage output yeah, I I feel like every every Zinch army that I've seen at events, which is a completely arbitrary and like not scientific way to look at it, usually has like a bunch of horrors and then a bunch of big things. Like it's so like you know, it's nice to have the flamers and the screamers and the chariots, but I don't know that that's the I think the way to build this is to like get a bunch of like max out on like your your horrors units and then add in Lords of change and demon princes and other things, you know, and to, to hit as hard as possible. I mean, so I guess uh, as well, if you're just going zinch, could you add in? Well, no, I was trying to think because Lord Lords of change are not, are they, are they, uh, they're not Lords of war. They're HQ, right? They're HQ. Yeah. Okay. Now, I was trying to think if you could, like, do a, a command detachment and bring in, like, Magnus. But actually, I guess you could because you could do a Supreme Command detachment with, like, your Lords of Change, Demon Prince, and, like, another Herald. No, Supreme Command Supreme Command or, detachment is one character and can only be, ah, like, a Supreme. That's right. That's, they've changed yeah. it in this edition, so you can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. I don't know. But this this is one where, like, though, the, like, maybe taking the – um the I, don't, I forget the the Lord of the Lord of War detachment the, the auxiliary Lord of War detachment that gets you like one Lord of War might be worthwhile to bring Magnus in in a Zeech Demon army just because he's so good and they still work together pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, typically you're gonna want like big things in here in to go with your your whores to hold objectives and generate psychic you know psychic powers. Yeah. So another possibility I'm looking at this. You could, if you bought a Lord of Change, and Lord of Change and Kairos Fate Weaver are the exact same points. Mm-hmm. So, like, you build it however you want. Uh, but as as built, like, one starting box 
the Lord of Change, and then buy two boxes of pink horrors, that gets you to 932 points. The, assuming that you build all the units of horrors the same way with the icon and the instrument. Sure. Uh, so you'd still have 70 points to play with. Another unit of flamers would be 69 points. So nice. There's the, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but it's like again, I I can't gauge Zinch demons as well. Yeah. Uh, as as like does this work as a standalone army? So yeah, if there's any Zinch demon players out there who would like to write to us and let us know what they think of that, I I'd be curious to find out like how would you take this starter box. And build it to a thousand points because a thousand points is a good. I think that's a good middle ground to kind of gauge a lot of different units in the army and figure out what you like, what you don't like, what strategies work and don't, and then to go to grow from there. Yeah, and I think that wraps up all six start collecting boxes of uh, of chaos forces. Woohoo! So uh, next time, unless we have a Space Marine or Necron Codex to look at, uh, we will probably dig into the forces of the Imperium, not counting the Space Marine boxes that we looked at in our first episode. Although it does feature a lot of Space Marines. (laughs) Yeah. So actually, this time we will have only uh, one, two, three. Okay, so there's going to be four Space Marine (laughs) units. Four Space Marine boxes we'll have to look at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so it's still going to be mostly a Space Marine episode. <laughs> uh, and that takes us over into uh, hobby progress real quick. Uh, I know, Dennis, you've been getting your hobby area set back up. Yeah, well, getting a new area set up. Um, went and found a cheap art table. So rented a truck, picked it up, and installed it. Well, and put it in a room. I guess that's installing it. <laughs> And so it's nice having a dedicated work area for just painting because then I don't feel like I have to clean up, put everything away, then get everything back out because that takes so much time. It's nice to just sit down, fill up a water thing and start. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been my biggest thing. And then priming. I've got more of the characters that I bought over the summer now are primed. And so it's just starting to try and get a... My goal is a unit a week painted. If I can get that done, I'll be pretty happy. Nice. Yeah, that's a, a really reasonable goal. Um, yeah, a unit a week is, is great progress. Especially uh, some of these units are only one character. Well, yeah, hey, that counts. <laughs> that counts. Characters tend to take more work than a, like, they more do. focus work than a, a unit sometimes can. They do. Uh, Kevin, have you had a chance to work on anything? Yes, so I have finished painting up my Death Guard. Um, I've not done the basing on them, but I've finished painting the rest of the Indominus starter box. Uh, not Indominus. Uh, Dark Imperium? Dark Imperium, thank you. All the rest of the models from that, and then I had a couple, like, two Malefic Blight Haulers, a Bloat Drone, and, like, a Demon Prince uh, to paint up. Uh, so all of that's done. I haven't based any of it yet, but I'll get to that when I need to. So all of that has been been completed, and then I've kind of cleared my workbench to, uh, like like Dennis mentioned, start working on all the characters that I've acquired over the summer. Um, so the uh, the new the the sister of battle and the um, librarian uh, space marine librarian and terminator armor that were sold exclusively like during the shutdown. Um, yes. I've got those. I put those together. Um, I've got the. Uh, Ephraim Stern and uh, the, and I forget the name of the Kaganel. Kaganel. 
I've got them put together. I put together the Custode and Sister of Silence um, pair as well. So I've kind of got like a bunch of those characters. And then I've been working on building out the various Primaris lieutenants that I have and <laughs> converting them into uh, Death Watch. I thought so, you were going to say converting them into their own army. Well, I kind well, of thought about that at one point. but We, uh, we, we need Codex Primaris Lieutenant. Well, so what's very interesting, though, is with a lot of the lieutenants, because of how they're kitted out and, like, how they're, like, their design, um, and they have tend to have power swords, the, uh, I'm using them for Death Watch. Death Watch, I have a bunch of those Death Watch Storm Shields, which are almost exactly the same shape and size as the, uh, Blade Guard Veteran Storm Shields, meaning that, like, I do a hand replacement on the one of the primaris lieutenants and all of a sudden now i have an extra blade guard veteran that's now oh. has a death watch storm shield so nice um yeah so i thought that was kind of neat and then i don't have to like rebase them because they're all on fort you know the the large slightly larger bases and yeah so working on kind of converting those up and and uh i've found a couple paint recipes for death watch that will hopefully make it a little bit easier uh to paint black so i'm going to start working on those in the next couple of weeks Cool. Um, meanwhile, I got back into the groove of painting and I finally knocked out a project that has been sitting on my shelf of shame for like a couple of years now. Um, a, a while back, I had some uh, Astro Militarum models I'd received and I traded them to a local player in exchange for a knight that he had. And uh, so it was a knight warden, so the one with the... Uh, Avenger Gatling cannon and uh, a Reaper chain sword. And I knew it was like, I, at this point I was already working on my, my night household that goes with my sisters. And so I was like, well, you know what? I will strip this and repaint it. And I got as far as stripping it and repriming <laughs> it and doing a couple of like basic repairs and like changing a couple of things. And that's where it sat for uh, like the over a year. And so this week, I finally went ahead. At the same time, I was working on getting started painting a pair of Fabius Biles. I was like, well, I'm basing him in, like, Xandri Dust. I might as well base, like, the armor panels for this knight. Because I'd already done, like, the body in silver. Like, that part was already done. But it's like, yeah, I'll go ahead and get these started. And over the last couple of weeks, I finished it, knocked it out, and... Uh, it's got all the decals and everything on it, so it is it is a nice match with the the other three knights I have. So, uh, I having that done is just a measure of relief <laughs> to finally have completed that project. And at this point, the only thing my knight house is really missing is I guess I could get a knight perceptor. I don't have a knight errant, but I do have uh, a crusader with a thermal cannon, and I guess I could get armagers. Or uh, armatures are really nice. Armatures are really cool, but I need to paint a lot more stuff before I buy anything new. So get the uh, get the large knights, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the Forge World stuff. Well, no, I mean like the. I the, know a place you can buy the Forge Worlds ones. I'm yeah. sure you do. Uh, that is true. Uh, honestly, I'd love to have uh, some of the like the Serastus knights, but they're also <laughs> like five hundred dollars a piece. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I can't justify that at, at, at present. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
And then this takes us to uh, the morale phase. And uh, once again, we've got two items, uh, but we're going to start with one that uh, is more entertainment-based. And that is, Kevin, you wanted to talk about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Yes. Um, so Warhammer Roleplay, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition, set in the old world, published by Cubicle 7, has been out for a few years now. Um, I remember picking the books up at Gen Con when it was released. They're working on reprinting the, uh, oh gosh, I blanked on the name of the campaign now. The whole long, like, original, uh, War, first edition Warhammer Fantasy campaign, like, that covered the whole world and was, like, really in depth and really awesome. So, like, they're producing a lot of great content for it. But, uh, I've been lucky enough that through the pandemic, uh, you know, I've gotten, I've had more time to be able to role play. And one of our games is we've kind of switched over and we've started playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay because I had not gotten a chance to play the new edition. I know that the, uh, you know, the rest of the people here, the other three were playing in a game that our friend Tim ran, uh, or is still running and have told me just great stories and had awesome thing, you know, tales from that game. Tim is actually playing in this game uh, so that's being ran by our friend Brady. And Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay has always been one of my favorite systems uh, and settings because I, I love the old world. I love the fluff. I love, like, the setting, the conflict. I love kind of the gritty, like, dirt farming peasantness of it. You know, whereas, like, D&D tends to be a little more high fantasy. This is, like, down in the dirt, like gritty kind of you know quote unquote realistic fantasy and uh i love the career systems i love how you progress your characters get better as you go along i just have such a good time with it it's such a great game oh yeah we've had a blast in the game that we and we've been playing in our game for what about a year and a half dennis a while yeah yeah and and we did the same thing we transitioned from in person to online via Roll20, which actually has pretty good support. They've got mm-hmm. like a, a character sheet in it that has a lot of really good features. It's made it really easy to play. And it's actually good that we converted to online now that you moved, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all bounced out. But the one thing I'll say about it is it's one where kind of like some people just do like D&D where they just like are more interested in getting loot and stuff. Mm-hmm. This one combat is very deadly oh yes (laughs) so don't get attached to your character even though like we've been fortunate enough that none of ours have have died they've got a system to try and help prevent that because yeah one good sword swing and you fall down kind of like in the tabletop game yeah as kevin said you're playing starting out at least as as peasant type characters where think of a Toughness three with trying to face off against a demon. No, it does not go well. No. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, it's incredibly like deadly and dangerous. But also, like the combat is only one part of it. Like the, it feels like it's a much more fleshed out role playing game to like do other things. So oh, my my character. So like right now we've basically done two adventures. Like we're in the middle of the second adventure. We have like wandered from the town we started in to the next town over took care of of something and then decided to go to another town to like take care of something there. My character is a hunter. So like I'm kind of the woodsman, like that's how we've set this up. So I lead the party through the woods. 
what should be like half a session of like going from point A to point B in the woods has been at least 10 sessions so far of the game because my character is completely bad at everything. I've gotten us <laughs> lost in the woods so many times where we've like, oh, this will take two days. Well, we're on day seven. <laughs> what are we doing now? And like, but like getting lost in the woods is incredibly fun because we've stumbled into like a Skaven cave. We stumbled across uh, ghouls and like had to like figure out how to get away from them. And like, it's just, it's been so great because the game allows you to fail, but fail in ways that still like move the story forward and make it entertaining. Because um, even though my character has completely shit the bed on finding our ways everywhere, Nobody in the party knows that I'm bad at my job because of, like, their own bad roles and their own, like, lack of knowledge of these things. It's just been so great because I've always had – my character thus far has gotten us lost in the woods multiple times. And we've ended multiple sessions on the cliffhanger of, oh, I rolled a critical failure, like a 98 or a 99 um, on the uh, – you know, on a, a roll to find a place to camp for the night or to make a navigation check – well, we're going to stop it here because I need to figure out what happens next session when you start because you failed so poorly. Like that's <laughs> happened multiple times. <laughs> I, I don't know if we've had any quite that bad, but we have sat, we've had some absolutely glorious failures and some equally glorious successes. So uh, my character right now is a band. And also, I want to say this game has one of the best random character generation methods oh, ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, because we decided going into the, into our campaign, we were just going to roll up random characters and whatever mm -hmm. the dice gives, that's what we were going to go with. Although they do give you a couple of outs where it's like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with this. You, you can pick, but you get bonuses if you, if you random roll. Yeah. It like, yeah, you definitely get benefits if you, if you just let it ride. But I think at one point, like I'll take a little bit of a dip cause I don't like this particular role. But, uh, yeah, so I'm playing a, a bandit who turns out, like, who rolled up uh, having noble blood. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like the bastard son of a noble from a city, which we have now ended up at. And, like, when I put my character together, like, okay, well, he's a bandit. So he goes, he, like, hides in the woods and, like, jumps out at people and uses intimidate to get them to, like, hand over their goods. And so I've got, like, a really good intimidate score like i've got a 50 or something in intimidate which in on the on a scale of one to hundred seems like it's fair to middling but usually with rolls it ends up being pretty decent and it has become a, a trope in our game that whenever i try to intimidate someone i roll horribly and end up <laughs> failing to the point where i just piss off the person i'm trying to intimidate Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it happens so many times. It's a joke, yes. Oh, yeah, so many times. But then at the same time, like, Dennis, like, I think in our last adventure, like, you had an amazing, like, you had a couple of amazing roles. Like, oh, when we're, like, doing a stealth check on my sword. Oh, God, yeah. So, so this, it, we've got vampires who have infiltrated the city we're in. And this woman comes to visit my family estate because I'm back home, like dealing with my father and the family estate it, like this. She comes in and like De so Dennis's character started off as a, a city watchman in this little podunk village and has since become like a priest of the God of death, which is one <laughs> of the great ways that characters can develop in this. 
and he sees cr- like a whole bunch of ravens outside. Ravens are the symbol of his god. And so he's like, are these my god's ravens? And turns out, no, they're not. And so he goes in and he sees this woman and she's got the milky pale skin and she uses a, a parasol even during the sun, you know, like when it's not raining out. And so he rolls this stealth. He's got this magic sword that glows in the face of undead. And he, pulls, <laughs> he does a stealth check to see if he can pull the sword out, see if it's glowing and close it real quick and nails it. To the point where it's like, oh, this sword is glowing brighter than anything I've ever seen before. And I kept her from noticing. <laughs> uh, well, it's so it's like I said, it's those little stories, those things that can kind of develop with like the roles. Because, again, my, my character who is the hunter, the woodsman, like, so I should be able to like lead us through the woods near the village because that's where I spend all of my time. I continue. I, I either roll like under 10 or over like 85 like there's been nothing in between it's either super low successes or super high failures but during the process of like getting us lost in the woods everyone else is like because they're like we're walking through the woods and like okay it's gonna take us a day and a half and get to village a to village b well on day three the people who not from the town are like it seems like we should be there by now and we're like going the other direction like Way off, way off course. So they're like, can I check to see if I understand that we're further off course? And they roll and they fail. And they're like, well, nope, this must be, we must be taking the scenic route. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tim's character is, uh, is like a psychic. So he like does like tarot cards and stuff to like try to read the future. So he's like, I'm going to consult with the cards to see if I can figure out what's going on. And he rolls it and he rolls a 100. Complete failure. So he goes and he does this tarot card reading and is like, you know what? We are off track. We're off track because we're not helping Gavin lead us properly. We need to do more work. So like us getting me getting us lost in the woods became because there were other people's failures, them like taking extra care and like, let me carry your pack. Let me do this so you can scout ahead and find stuff. We're we're clearly not helping you enough is just glorious. Yeah, no, they're just they're just great moments like that. Oh. It's a really fun system. Yeah, and yeah, I I've had a blast. Uh, yeah, Tim refers to it as a peasant misery simulator. Yes, but uh, out it is. Yeah, it really is. And, and the thing is, even as your characters get more powerful, it's not the same power curve that like a D and D campaign has. Yeah, where you like as, as you said, Dennis, everything can be deadly. Yeah, uh, in our first combat where we skim, you know, where, where I, I wandered us into a Skaven cave, uh, Tim got got hit once, knocked him down to all but one hit point, and he stayed at one hit point for the next like five sessions until we could find a doctor. Like he was one hit point away from death for a while. <laughs> but but if this kind of like yeah gritty fantasy, and I'd say it's. It's it's Warhammer, so it's not exactly low magic. I mean, it's still yeah. got some high fantasy elements in it. But if you want something that's a little bit more grim and gritty than D anD D, and can be a, just a lot of fun to just to make characters in and come up with this motley assortment of people, like our party is like it's is my former bandit Dennis's death priest. Richard is playing a uh, a river warden, so basically a river cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Our friend Dan is playing uh, an engineer who is obsessed with making a flamethrower and getting it right. <laughs> and then my partner is playing a a peasant girl who, when we started off, was the one person who in the party who knew how to read. <laughs> and has since discovered she has magical talent and is becoming a beast mage. And it's nice. Yeah, but it's just it's the journey to get there has been a lot of fun. So you can just like and that again, randomly generated characters, but we've had a lot of fun with it. So highly recommend it. Um there is a starter set available for it. There's a box set with like pre-made characters and an adventure and comes with a couple of dice. It just uses percentile dice. So just a pair of D10s and you're good to go. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. V- really enjoy it. Uh, if you want something a little bit, uh, a little more difficult, uh, there's basically a clone of it made, called Zweihander, which was made during a period where before 4th edition came out, because 3rd edition was a completely different beast. Yes. And so it plays a lot like 2nd edition. Uh, but uh, both of them are are perfectly good games. Both of them lean into the like the grim and gritty. I think I would say Zweihander is even more grim and gritty than than Warhammer Fourth. But uh, both are really good. I would definitely recommend them. Yeah. And then our second and last morale phase item is something that's coming up because there's what around fifty days left until 40, the election here in the 43, United States. Yeah, forty three days until the United States election. I know that in the past we've talked, you know, we want to make sure that we keep this politics free. So I'm not going to like mention anything about this. I just want to get the information out there because every presidential election and every local election are consequential. So I want to make sure, and especially with the COVID pandemic going on, there are a lot of things that are different this time through. So I wanted to give two resources out to people just to be able to make it easier to be able to check on your status and the information that you need to vote. So if you go to vote.org, which is part of a bipartisan nonprofit website, there are links on there to check your voter registration, register to vote. If you're not request absentee ballots to vote by mail, if you're not comfortable going, um, going to a polling location, setting information about uh, where to vote, how to become a poll worker. If you're interested, if you're, say you're younger and you're interested in helping out and volunteering a lot of information, a lot of great links to be able to collect the data and easily find it for your local area. So I highly recommend going on there, checking, make sure you're registered, make sure you know when the deadlines are, because I would hate for anybody to delay and like miss one of the deadlines because a lot of States have earlier deadlines for registration or for requesting ballots. Yeah. So that's vote, that's vote.org. So I highly recommend everybody go check that out. The other website that I had was a website called vote411.org. And it is also a bipartisan, not for profit website. It has a lot of the same information, a lot of the ways to check on your local status, your local ballots, things like that. One tool that it has that vote.org doesn't have is it actually you can type in your address and it'll send you a list of all of the races and all of the ballot initiatives in your local area so you can actually go through there and it doesn't make recommendations it doesn't say you should vote this way or this way it just provides all of the information in one place where you can go look at all of your local races your local bills presidential races senate elections house etc um, and it's all kind of customized for your specific area and district. 
Yeah, and stuff like that is is invaluable because I know like a lot of times with like local elections, there may be stuff that you aren't even aware of mm-hmm. or positions that you don't know anything about. And that's one thing my partner and I do is like before an election, we will try to do research on like what are all the initiatives, what are the pros and cons of them, who's running, can we find anything about who they are and what they stand for, even if it's like school board or you know local comptroller or what have you. Yep. Uh, because that's the thing about voting is it is the one uh, – it, it's the right that we have, but it's also our, our obligation to make our voices heard – and to take a direct – that's the closest thing we can ha- have to a direct role in our democracy without actually holding office. Yep. And again, we're not here to tell you who to support or who not to support, who to vote for, how to vote. Uh, but it is one of those things where if you want to be represented, you have to show up. And uh, and I'm not also going to say you know the, the the stock phrase of this is the most important election in our lifetime or this is the most important. Every election is important. Yes, every local election is important because I can tell you that in many ways the people that you vote for in your state and local elections are more likely to have a direct impact on your lives than the people in the federal elections, and those are also known to be important elections. So yeah, just get out the vote. Just get out. Be, it's part of being an active citizen. Yeah. And like I said, I just, yeah, I want to make sure that everyone has the information, especially, like I said, with everything going on with the pandemic, some state, and every state is different. So this is why I recommend like going looking because some states allow you to vote absentee for any reason. Some will allow you to vote if you have COVID fear. Some don't allow it at all. So take them, take a few moments, go through, check your registration, check what your deadlines are and decide, you know, and then decide from there what you need to do. But I just want to make sure that information is out there for as many people as possible because it is, you know, it's important to vote and participate in every election. Yes, absolutely. And so that wraps up our episode. This was episode 224 of Preferred Enemies. Episode 225, as of right now, will be our look at Imperium starting armies. But uh, like I said, we could have a codex in there. Don't know yet. So, uh, But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard had to take off early, so uh, we'll just uh, assume that he is saying, and Richard. And <laughs> good night. Good gaming, and yeah, get registered, get voting, folks. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.